Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Show just ended. What a show. Rollicking. Fez, give a shout. Let's see, hear if I can say. Later, alligator. Oh, there you go. I wish we had that better recorded. What a show. Maddie Hope back with us. Off a of 5-0 week, guys. 5-0. and And we really had some. Uh, let's just say this. I like, the funny thing is, this is kind of scary. I like our card this week, our best bets more than any week yet, though we've gone 3-2, three 3-2, and two, three and two, five and 0 oh. I told you we weren't going to do better in 67%. We probably won't, but it's been a hell of a run. Now, what do you do? How, how do you win? Well, you have good information. You bet it, and then you get paid. Bet DSI has been paying winners for 20 years. It's one of these like, hey, wait a minute. They're spending a lot of money with Podcast One. We hear it all the time on RJ's show, maybe other shows. And eventually you're thinking, you know, if you haven't done it yet, you're probably thinking, okay, when? And boy, is he ever going to shut up about this? It's like, well, you know, we have as few commercials, I think, for the hours of shows we do. But I get the idea that you keep hearing about BetDSI. And I think it's a sign, one, a lot of our audience. We just got a report today from Podcast One about the percentage of people signing up. And the numbers, the raw numbers, extremely impressive. What does that mean? It means that other people are listening saying, ooh, this might be worth it. This is value. And you say, might be. That doesn't seem like enough. Well, it is. Because what are you risking? You get a 100% sign-up bonus. Just use Bell 101. You get to play it. If you like it, you got an extra out. If you don't, well, with the bonus, didn't cost you anything theoretically. And that's what's so nice about it. BetDSI.com. And we don't know how long this bonus is going to last. Could be gone next week. We don't know. BetDSI.com, promo code Bell 101. On to a wonderful show. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable, broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. And that's right, week four of the NFL season with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, the Vig, Matty Holt. To my right, two-time Super Contest champion. He didn't win it for us last year, but it wasn't his fault. His best bets were awesome. Steve Fezzik, I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, got a ton of info. Fez working overtime. He's going to impress, I'm guessing, today. Maddie, so busy. Still making time, though. So Still making time for us today. And, yeah, you know it. 5-0. and 5-0. and 11-4. Now, I got numerous texts, numerous, saying, boy, what a coincidence. Maddie wasn't there, 5-0. And, <laughs> and I want to say officially had nothing to do with it. <clears throat> nothing to do with it, Faz. You agree, right? <laughs> Just purely coincidental. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so now what we're going to do is get Look, str- I was throwing my input in from Phoenix. You know what's funny? I didn't even look at it. <laughs> but it's great because you 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 actually knocked – you would have knocked out Fez's loser. 
That's correct. And by the way, RJ, you're unaware of this, so I'll text Maddie uh, about, hey, NFL picks, you got anything? And nobody responds. Yeah, I sent my input to RJ. He'll let you know. <laughs> it's always like, I thought you guys were talking about. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, he he's just so worried about how I've been picking like a superstar. He's trying to get extra edges, I think. <laughs> but again, it all worked out, and we got you know we had our nice breaks. But I think in general now, and this is pretty amazing actually. Check this out. You hadn't heard this, Maddie. Is twenty weeks now? So seventeen last year, three this year. 20, 16 winning weeks. Wow. Mm. Four losing weeks. Now that's almost un- incomprehensible. A little bit of pressure getting ah. cut off the plane to ah. get back in. <laughs> oh, he's starting to make excuses. Well, speaking of that, Fez, we got a little accounting. And what's hilarious is Fez goes, oh, oh. He's making faces. Like, I'm not sure. Well, let's guess. Do you think Fez did very well? On the year in his batting, Fez, oh, for four, down $1,200. Matty Holt, one for one. He's the VIG, but no VIG even. RJ Bell, yes, 60% up $300. Last week, Chiefs and Ravens over, Fez. Somehow you forget that. 61 points scored. Over was the right side. Oh, no, no, no. No. I want you to make your somehow make up a story that it wasn't. Go ahead. Lamar Jackson late in the game when he was under pressure. Oh, so you're saying literally teams that are losing score late. Okay, <laughs> I'm following. Go ahead. He got fortunate to complete two longer passes that wow. were jump balls, but uh, it still would have gone over. So then what's the pertinence? Well, the last touchdown they scored, he ran in. Yeah, listen, you're acting like this makes sense? These these weren't touchdowns. They're just passes down the field. We're not talking touchdowns. We're talking about there was a pass with seven minutes and 27 seconds left that could have been incomplete. Thus, he had the right side, even though he lost by 11 points. Is that that fair representation? Very fair. And I might add, too, there was probably more rain than expected, and it still went over. Didn't bother me. Here's what we know. We'll talk about Kansas City. Kansas City's offense is tough early. Mahomes is Mahomes. It's tough early. And uh, we got some numbers to talk about there. So let's see. We had that. So I won. Oh, you lost against uh, Maddie, too. and Or I'm sorry, against Brad on that one. Then you and Fez, you had one with Brad. It was Rams and Browns. So who'd you have in that one? Had Cleveland. Mm. What did I take? Plus three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good God. <laughs> But, that you know, that late move was driven more by some injuries that weren't expected for the Browns, right? So yeah, it was all secondary cluster injuries. And some of it was parlay and uh, teaser accumulation. Look, the uh-huh. the moves on Sunday night and, and Monday night both weren't strictly based off liability on the game, but parlay and teaser accumulation. Because the books had already lost early in the morning, lost in the afternoon, there was an accumulate an extra accumulation of parlays and teasers to the favorite, and suddenly, you know, they ended up in a bad spot, so they're trying to get extra action on the dogs. So Both games. This is something over the years with the Twitter geniuses, quote-unquote, I've debated, you know, before I quit that kind of stuff, which is they said, oh, no, every book, they, they book the games based upon that game's pool. And obviously, when you have something where, let's say, the Rams are the last leg of a parlay, yeah. 
that's being accounted for. But I'm guessing, and I don't know about this, I'm guessing you guys have software that say, okay, this is still live. There's three bets left. It's really hard because there's hard. so many legs open. So, and you're talking about here's you would the, do like a fractional exposure. It's hard. There's a lot of different ways to look at it, but parlays are hard, and they end up. And what's even harder about parlays is parlay card numbers because they're not bet through the app and they're not bet through the system mm. the same. Um, you know, so, I heard so, one book in town here Sunday thought that they needed that late touchdown by Baltimore because it covered the spread and their their game liability, and they went, yeah. Then they looked at the parlay card liability on the ties win teasers, and they ended up losing six figures on those. Hmm. Wow. So what you're saying, though, is uh, accepting the, the paper parlay cards are an issue with the data getting into yeah. the system. But you're saying if uh, someone has a five-teamer, he's three legs are in, and then he's got the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. So there'd be some calculation, it would seem to me, and it sounds like there's not, in which we say, okay, a quarter of the time this is going to come in. It doesn't. All the systems are what if. So yeah. what if the score is 2017 mm-hmm. Rams and this is what we win and lose? And it, it doesn't it, – parlays is tricky. Mm-hmm. Different systems account but for But in that case, on that five-teamer, if you were what if in the fourth game, it wouldn't even contemplate the five-teamer. Not till the fifth game. Okay, that's interesting. So they have to have separate parlay risk management tools where now you're just looking at parlays and what could happen if this team loses. And, All right, and this is good stuff. Tough. This is me listening to the audience because – the, we're doing actually now, Maddie. I, I don't think we've talked about this. The big show, which has pretty much everything, unless I get off on a long tangent like the meaning of life, which I did yesterday. We pull that out for special pods that we're putting together. The meaning of life pod. That kind, yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> life is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there's the pick pod, which is just the picks and anything related to the picks. So, but even for the big show people. This is interesting. We'll have to do a separate pod on it soon or in the off season. But Fez, listen, you've got a long history. It could just be a coincidence that you can beat the bookies, but you can't beat me. I don't know. It's starting to turn into a long-term trend. Now, does your wife know about this? No, I think it's better that she remain in the dark on this one. (laughs) I agree. We don't want anything getting in the way. Showtime! All right, guys, 5-0. and oh. We're going to talk about it so little. You're going to say, boy, RJ must have talked about it so little so we would be thinking about it. Yes, it's true. Yes. Best bets. This is the way we do it. We start with the best bets. Now, remember, a couple people on Twitter, not very conscientious listeners, they said, oh, RJ, I uh, thought Brad was going to be one of the picks. And it's like, he was. And it's like, well, why wasn't it one of the picks? said, as conscientious listeners know, we always reserve the right to not have one of these three picks. Last season, we had four times where we didn't have one of these picks. So think about it. 17 times three, it was only four times. 54, my, 50 out of 54, Fez, I think. What do you think? Seven and a half percent. I, I was just trying to get the right number. I wasn't even thinking of the percentages. So we're giving you the best bets. This is our plan to do it, and we do it a vast majority of the time, but we want to win. I didn't even look this week. Are we in first? I didn't look. 
Boy, that that means you've been you you've been through the ringer too many times, Fez. <laughs> when you're saying, "Oh, we could be leading the gold," let's not even look until Halloween. I don't look at standings. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, listen to him. It's because you usually are far back at that point. You sir, you're a surger. Somehow last year it didn't happen. All right, let's get to it. So the first game is going to be Fez's best bet. You had a great year last year. So Fez, great history since we've been doing it this way on your best bets. Not saying anything against Maddie in particular. Go ahead. Miami Dolphins plus 15 and a half Woo! against the Chargers. This one's going to be an extended handicap, RJ. So stop me when I stop making sense as I go along. There's lots of reasons. Take your time, buddy. There's lots of reasons to like Miami here. Let me start with power ratings. And I don't want to be one of those guys that says, well, my power ratings make it 14. So there's value taking 16 and a half or uh, 15 and a half. But the, the bottom line is I have Miami rated the worst team I've had since I've been keeping power ratings. I have Miami 15 points worse than an average team. So I'm confident that I don't have Miami uh, too, uh, that Miami is not lower than they should be. So let's compare that with the Chargers. I have the Chargers one point better than an average team. So I've got a 16-point differential. That means this spread on a neutral should be 16. You give Miami a couple points for home field, Miami should be a 14-point underdog by my numbers. But I'm not so confident that my numbers aren't um, light on this game, that this spread should be a little bit less. Let me make my case. So light, I don't explain that term. Meaning, I make the game fourteen, but maybe it should only be twelve or thirteen. All right. On this so, game. but but let's start with the power ratings first, because I make fun of the people who do the following. They say, um, "Okay, blah blah blah, whatever your name is." Um, line is favored, home team favored by a touchdown. What do you think? Well, my number is six point eight. It's not – so I lean dog. Now, I bet it at 19 somehow he got it. You know, it's 7 now, but I bet it at 19, but still, it's a lean. <laughs> <laughs> right? They always got the best number ever. Yeah. Fez, I'm not talking about power ratings. Power ratings are objective. Now you're saying you've got that power rating differential. Now you start with your subjective handicapping. I think that is, in fact, the way you should start every handicap. So, Fez, to me, your power ratings are telling us this is how good these teams are in a vacuum. No considerations other than who the team is today. Meaning if there's injuries, if a player's traded, if a player retires, Andrew Luck, it's all accounted for. It's just not so much or any oh, the matchup is advantageous. Oh, they've been on the road three straight games. I think people confuse that, and they throw, th- oh, they're on the bye, so they're better. No, no, no. How good is this team today? That's the question. And with all that other stuff being a non-factor, um, other than the quali- the players on the team, I think ultimately is the way to think about it. Do you agree with that? I agree. Also, this seems paradoxical, but it's not. And the the worst team can be underrated, and the worst team can be overrated, right? Yes. And the best team, the Patriots, can be overrated, or they could be underrated. So I know it's counterintuitive, but this is a great teaching moment about it's about the numbers. And you're saying, yep, worst team this year, worst team ever for me. You've been doing this for a long time. And, oh, by the way, though, I'm batting them. 
because the market thinks they're even worse than that. Exactly. And why does the market think they're worse than that? I could make the case, well, the Dolphins have some historically bad numbers, weeks one, two, and three. They're 0-3 straight up, 0-3 against the spread. They're, all their metrics are lousy. And point differential, point the diff- worst after three games since the Super Bowl year. Yards per play differential, horrendous for the Dolphins as well. So I went back and I watched the Dolphins game week three, and I've watched all the Dolphins games, and I saw something, RJ. I saw effort. Effort I did not see when they were playing Baltimore. So they went ahead and played Dallas, and they were outclassed. And the entire game, I saw a Miami team that was trying hard. At the end of the first half, Miami actually was driving. They almost wound up with the lead at the end of the first half in this game. They tried an onside kick after a score in the first half. That is not a coaching staff that is like mailing in and not trying to win the game. And then ultimately at the end of the game, the differential was 18, and Miami was driving, and that's probably what the final— So when you say the differential, you're saying this, uh, Miami was trailing by 18. Yes, and, and unbelievably covering the 23, and Miami was driving, and they tried a fourth down. They failed, and then Dallas got the last score. I would say— Where was that fourth down at? Uh, about the 40-yard line of the Cowboys. So it was oh, in so Cowboys. they get that one, they almost certainly cover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when they don't, they're a monster favorite. They're like in in in-game wagering at that point. They're like three to one to cover. But they don't. Dallas gets the touchdown. So what happens? The narrative becomes, oh, another bad game for Miami. They lose by 25. They don't cover again. But I I will say this is Mm. this is the buy sign on Miami. This is the game that I saw the effort. And because of that, I think Miami, despite being the worst team, clearly in my power ratings is undervalued. I got to tell you, that's a great handicap because. If you really unpack some of that, is part of it is you saying that part of your number prior to this was a, a discount for lack of effort. And to me, I said it, it's time for maybe an apology, is you go, oh, I think the Dolphins will be tanking this year. And I said, you never see a team, t- you know, with questionable effort before the end of the year for more than a game or two. It might be an aftermath of a tough lot, but a game or two. You were sure you said history will be made. The Dolphins will be tanking, correct? Correct, and you referenced, you said, Fez, I think you said the same thing about the Buffalo Bills Mm -hmm. last year, Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) didn't they win six or seven games? Yeah, yeah. they. But don't you see that the heat you get from losing that much precludes you from doing it? It's not the NBA where no one's looking at the scores. People are, were talking about the Dolphins to such a degree, it didn't make sense for them to keep losing like that, meaning if there was any intention to. Yes, and the vet, but the valuations— But you didn't think so. I didn't, but the valuations and the point spreads are still pricing them like that that's a concern, and so there's value with the Dolphins. And I might add the beauty here, they're playing the Chargers, RJ. If there's one— All right, so, so let's stay on the Dolphins a second. I want to get Maddie's take, but one last comment on this. To me, it's what you're saying is in general, people tend to think the worst teams are worse than they really are. Right? If all you had to do was bet the number one team in ESPN's power rankings every week or the number 32, who would you bet? 32. No doubt. It's a contrarian sport, the NFL. All right. Also, I think that the fact that everyone was talking about it has the public saying, I want no part of Miami. And I also think the fact they didn't cover because anyone who bet against them, which is a lot of people, just got affirmed again. It's hard to tell someone you just got paid three straight times betting against Miami, but you made a mistake. It's time to stop that. So it's just the practical reality. 
they probably had a lot. In fact, they had a lot of people betting the Cowboys. That line went up, 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 up. And all of those anti-Miami bettors got affirmed because they got paid. And they all are talking about, oh, bad teams will find a way to not cover. Which might be true in some <laughs> cases. I'm in 100% agreement here with Fez on this play. I like Miami as well. And for a few different reasons, though, if you look at the top eight teams in the NFL this year in terms of pass attempts per game, none of them have a winning record. Nine of the top 10 teams in terms of pass attempts per game have a winning, have a losing record. So what we're seeing in the NFL in 2019 is if you don't have a balanced attack, you probably also don't having a winning record. Look at the teams that most pass attempts a game. Arizona, Giants, Cincinnati, Washington, Philadelphia, Atlanta, L.A. Chargers all have losing records. Carolina Panthers 8, another losing record. If you're throwing the ball all the time, you're probably not winning football games. And to make matters worse right now with the L.A. Chargers with Hunter Henry Hurt, their receiving core banged up. Over 35% of the pass is going to one player, Keenan Allen. So not only are they one-dimensional on offense, but everything's going to one player right now on offense. And basically, it's a two-man game. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, every easy to prepare for for defenses. This Chargers offense hasn't had the toughest schedule to start, yet hasn't really got going yet in any game. I certainly like Miami as well. So how much of that is cause and effect, though? With the pass, meaning it, there used to be the old Mark Lawrence trend. I guess they, they're still there. Is if a team rushes the ball this many times for this many yards, they cover this much. It's like that feels like an effect more than a cause. Because if you're behind, you're throwing the ball. Now, I'm not saying it's not more extreme this year. Maybe it's, that's telling. But in general, Fez, if I told you this team runs more, I mean, you know, we could do the work on this is the team that runs more in the NFL is going to cover far more than 50%, right? Right, because they got the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so I think there's a cause and effect, but what you're, uh, I think there's certainly an effect to this, but maybe there's a cause. What, what do you think has changed recently that would make that more the case now? Look, I think maybe let's all take a step back and admit that maybe not having Melvin Gordon there has hurt the Chargers offense a little bit more than people thought. It's a major weapon they lost, and then they lose their star tight end Hunter Henry and then they lose their best offensive lineman Russell Okun and then their second best receiver was banged up for a while this team has had to deal with major injuries or you know yeah yeah but I I guess my question was more specifically is if we're saying the fact that Chargers are throwing so much is the cause of them losing? Well, maybe the I'm cause of them might be throwing the fact so much. They're losing the games that they're in, and thus they have to throw. But, but they've really played close games. All three Correct. of their games have been really close. They haven't been okay. that team trailing okay. by 17 in any right. game. All right. So I think that speaks to uh, the Chargers not being able to run the ball, perhaps, being too one-dimensional. And, I don't think it speaks as much to across the league if you're throwing, you're losing, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, yeah. well... Yeah, I mean, so far, if you're throwing, you're losing. Yeah, so you know what we'll do is I won't have time as I host the pod, but I think for next week, it's an interesting thing is we can do that research is, you know, rush attempts versus pass attempts. Uh, What is your win rate if you do rush more? And let's see if this year it's any different. That's an interesting one. Yeah, one more point on the Chargers. If there's one team, and and this frankly works in – pretty much every sport. If you can identify a team that the Sharps are betting against consistently, they're telling you the odds makers are overvaluing this team. Mm, so that means we should have bet the Chargers a bunch 
the last couple years, right? And the Falcons and the Vikings didn't go so well. Well, it all it all depends, you know. Well, I no, mean, well, but it either I guess what I'm saying is I know you obsess over. Maddie's the perfect person to ask about this. So when you were now, now you're doing compliance work. The name of your company? Uh, U.S. Integrity. Wow, that sounds str- It sounds like it should be in granite somewhere. <laughs> U.S. Integrity. It's like U.S. Steel, baby. There, there we go. Well, hopefully not. You know, like this yeah. generation's U.S. Yeah. Steel. <laughs> My grandfather worked for, uh, well, it was Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel, which was associated somehow, but he was 33 years in the wow. steel. Yeah, he missed like three days of work in 33 years. That's how it used to be. My, well, yeah, I think they missed less, but still three days in 33. He was a tough dude. So um, <laughs> the, oh, we were talking about integrity, but the reality is that prior to that, you were behind the counter, cancer slash CG technology. The pros betting the big bucks, moving the lines in NFL. How would you rate their success versus in college football, NBA, the other major sports? Their consistent success. Mm-hmm. Um, that the cons- the ability to consistently beat NFL is less likely than any other sport, period. And would it be a situation that if the Sharps, let's say you were batting um, at the time where you had access to all that information and not getting into the ethics or whatever, you know, you had your rules, everyone has their rules, uh, would you ever fade the Sharps or was it, uh-oh, the Sharps are doing that, I can't go against it? The NFL is the one sport where I think you throw the whole sharp notion out. To the point that it's almost meaningless. Almost, yes. Well, Faz, that goes again. And again, we're talking syndicates moving. It goes against a lot of your theories, bud. Well, I think it if, doesn't mean you're wrong. If, if you are looking to get the best number, maybe I can make the case that this is more critical than actually picking winners. That if you, if you can spot the team that, every, that everyone, all the sharps are betting against, you can be more confident in a line move that probably more often than not, the money's going to come against that team again the next week. But if the move is not meaningful and you're going to bet now anyway, why does it matter where the line Well, is? we got to debate whether the move is meaningful well, or not. Well, I mean, we don't have to. What we're saying is you think it's God somehow, and Maddie, who's taken billions of dollars of bets, right? Correct. Says it's borderline meaningless. Would Let me ask the question. Would you say it's borderline meaningless or it's team dependent? It's team dependent. The, the syndicate. So you're able to then f- discern who's betting what, Fez, on every game? If you know that, you should know you should be batting their stuff beforehand. Well, I just know. I, I oftentimes am. I okay, just, but what I'm saying is you don't always have that. I don't always have that, but I know I, whenever I see a team like the Chargers that got money, huge money against them week one, week two, let's look at that line move against Detroit. They were. I understand. Go ahead. Yeah, and week three. So here's a team that the Sharps are, are making strong statements. So you're just repeating yourself. But what's the significance, I'm saying? Well, Chargers had the worst injury report the first few weeks. So part of the reason you're betting against them was they had one of the worst And the market reports. tends to undervalue that. That's yeah. what we've talked about. Yeah. Yes, and okay. we've talked about the Chargers. But let's forget the Chargers for a second. And, again, I, again, this is a longer topic. But what I'm saying is this. Is this upset? It's like you're playing the wrong game. This closing line value is the wrong game. And anyone out there on Twitter that has a problem with that, eh, we disagree. Okay. And in the NFL, in a it's lot the wrong of game in anything. The, and here's what I mean the game is the win, 
Now, if you say that closing line value is tantamount to winning, it's the same thing. I question that. I think in other sports, the correlation between it and winning is very different. But let let me give you an example. Let's say that you had inside information because your brother was on a team. Let's just keep it real simple. And the rumor breaks out that a key player on this college basketball team is out. Line plummets because they're batting this info that's not public yet. You know he's playing. And you know that he's 100%. That whatever the story was, it's just not true. What do you do, Fess? You bet what you know, not okay. what the, not what everyone else is betting. Exactly. So to me, if we're going to assume that in every case, in every game, that the syndicates know more than you, then you shouldn't be betting professionally. Okay? And in a weird way, it's the same thing as with the bookies, meaning you don't have to disagree with the sharps every game, but maybe it's one out of five you do. The, and I'm not even saying you have to bet it because it's like, why bet? If you can pass, why bet? But the idea that they're right every time, yeah, they're right more times than they're not. That's your point, and it's less in NFL. But in- I could tell you without using any specific yeah. names that the most famous bettors mm-hmm. in history that are famous for betting at our firm back then mm-hmm. – um, that their win percentage in college football would consistently be five, eight percent every year, and in an NFL, it would all five or eight percent ROI. ROI. Okay. So you're now Which you're hitting effectively- like fifty-seven percent, fifty-eight, fifty-nines, crazy percentages. All right. So just to be clear, then, so uh, might one of us might have misspoke. So fifty-two point three eight being your break-even. Exactly. Now we're talking about them hitting fifty-seven point three eight to win five percent. Okay, and that's not the classic ROI. So, if, so ROI would be double. So if you're hitting yeah. 57.2, you need 52.4, give times 2, the 5% times 2, 10% ROI. Yeah, So, but I, I knew we were just using yeah. different words. Okay, I have no doubt about it. Here's the question. In NFL, that same better, and with just as much information, just betting just as much, it would be win or lose. Okay, and now here's the question. Syndicates sometimes disagree, right? All the time in NFL. All right. or But in other sports, less, but they do. In other sports, less. Okay. The question is, if one syndicate's hitting 57%, the other syndicate's hitting 57%, and they disagree, what do you do? Right? If you're one of those syndicates, you say, hmm, that other syndicate does well most of the time. I wouldn't want to bet against him, but I have a strong opinion on this game. And now are you going to what? I would pass because I'm a low-volume guy. Other syndicates are going to be, I don't care. We, we know we mm-hmm. hit 57%. We're not yeah. going to try to cherry pick it. Fez, what I'm saying is you're not, you're trying, and it's not even so much I want you fading the syndicates, though after the line move in NFL especially, I like it. It's more I don't want you playing the game of trying to beat the closing line. Yeah. It's not the same as winning. I, I agree with that. But well, then why do you obsess and, over and it? I, I shouldn't. And a great example, we talked about this week too. Remember the Rams were hosting the Saints, and the money was coming in on the Saints from two and a half down to two and even one half. And you were like, this is ludicrous. This is They're betting this silly revenge spot for the Saints, and it's and you made the case for why it was the Rams that would be motivated. Yeah, but someone else could easily say, hey, when you win 57%, you lose 43 mm-hmm. RJ happened to catch, and maybe so. But here's what I know, that when you 
have a strong NFL opinion, it shouldn't be about anything except getting money on that opinion. Now, if you believe that the line move is going to go with you and that makes you want to bet earlier, I think execution, this stuff is great. But it feels like you guys think it's almost like the people who get mad that Trump won and they go, uh, well, the popular vote she won. It's like, okay, that's like winning a yardage battle in football. Like this is mm-hmm. literally you can say it's wrong and the popular vote should be it. Well, then it should get changed if you believe that and go work at it. Right. But right now, the game is electoral votes when electing the president and Trump had the most of those. The game is getting your tickets cashed. Now, for those who want to think I'm saying something crazy, let me be super clear and we'll move on. I think there's a strong correlation between closing line value and winning. Strong. Strong. In fact, I don't think you can actually win without winning closing line value. I think, though, you're not. Here's the key. Your natural inclination is the game any system. Like if you say that the way to get paid here is gumballs coming out of a gumball machine, you're going to sit and put your mind to it and find a way to pay off the guy who refills it, and he's going to give you a bag of them, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe that gumball analogy is it was passing through the little slot, you know, the hole where it comes out. That's what mattered. But you just thought it was gumballs. Well, you tried to game it, and it didn't get you what you wanted. In general, you should feel good if the line moves to your advantage. You should feel bad if it doesn't. For execution, it's vital to know when to bet. But oftentimes I hear you talking about it in a way that's completely abstracted from who had the rights or what the handicap is. And it seems like ultimately it's got to – now, if you're going to be a follower, if you're going to be a steam chaser or maybe a savvy second move, you know, play the second number guy, I'm not saying there's not profitable guys that do that. But that's not what you're doing, right? You're trying to pick winners. You do that too. But I'm talking about when you're picking winners, it's not about that. It's about the right side, which is often correlated or is correlated to closing line value, but not in the abstracted way you make it. That's a great point. And there's certain teams we even reference that we just say, oh, here come the Sharps betting, on, betting against New England again. And, 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 and that can be wrong. I mean, you know, so this will be a longer part. I guess let me ask you this because you might help make what I'm trying to say more clear or clearer is give me an example where you think you've thought about closing line value in a way that really is too far abstracted from – the winning, ultimately the winning and losing. Can you think of an example? Yeah, like there'll be a Monday night game and there'll be a public team and I'll lay eight because I know the spread's going to go up, right? And then the spread goes up to 10. All moves are not created equal. Then the spread's, oh, look at me. I got two points the best of it instead of, oh, this is just donkey stuff. They're just firing at the lights of the better team. Now, if you can double back and, 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 and arb it, Great, right? And maybe half the time you can, half the time you got a 52 percenter, so that's not so bad either. But you're not on the right side necessarily, right? It would tell you when to bet it, meaning if you like the dog, Mm. you wait. So, and you bring up one last point, and I'll make this quick. Maddie was explaining to us the sharpness of the various or different sports, the syndicates and the sports. And, And by all accounts, I agree, meaning I don't disagree with the word he's saying. For my, you know, less knowledgeable place when it came comes to that kind of action, but all line moves are not driven by the sharps. 
right? So if there's a public line move. We just talked about the Sunday night game, which was an accumulation of parlays and teasers. So were you on the sharp side? I mean, it was obviously some of it was Browns, right? Meaning anti-Browns because of the injuries. And some of it was, like you were saying, is they the threshold to move the line was lowered by the books because they didn't want any more Rams action. That's right. But would you sit there and jerk off to your closing line value, Fez? No. But you would, <laughs> right? Well, the, 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 in that game, there mm. was so much public money that was pouring in. But and- so when you the little charts we see, the cappers that don't seem to win, that tell us about their closing line value, does it have a little asterisk near that one? That one needs a big asterisk. But because- have you seen it? Have you seen the asterisks or <laughs> no, whatever? No. no. And so all I'm saying is this. If you want to measure how good a capper is, closing line value is probably the best way. Meaning if you have a way to do that where you truly can do it, it's, it's very insightful, no doubt. But you're not trying to figure if someone else is a winner. You're trying to win. Yes. And I think about 10% of the time you're thinking about closing line value instead of winning, that's a mistake. That's a great point. Let me finish on this. If you told me I can have a data sample of 500, what's more important, closing line value or an actual win-loss record? I think I want closing line value. Ooh, at 500? At 500. All but right. It's getting close now. But at 5,000, give me the real win-loss record over any closing line value. I've always looked at 600 as a key kind of 95th percentile confidence. Again, that might be an old wise tale or whatever. I haven't done the math on that. I agree with you, though. And, 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 and literally 10 seconds. We're not saying it's not important. We're saying it's treated as gospel in a way that I think is incorrect. Okay. The Chargers have been bet against. So what is it? when do we execute on this then? Because uh, the public would be on the Chargers, you would think. Now, for the Hill or for the Super Contest, it's I, easy. I, I think that the, the Dolphins are such the clear-cut right side of my eyes, you execute now. You take the 15 and a half. It, it, you're saying the public is going to bet – Chargers, you don't care. The Sharps are going to – because the NFL is the one sport where the Sharps prevail, right? Or, I'm sorry, where the, where the public money's bigger to the degree that if the Sharps are on one side heavy and the public's the other, it's going to move a little bit like a tug of war towards the public side, right? In theory, yes. Okay. And it depends. So if it's the first game – if it's the Thursday night game, a lot of times actually no. Um but again, wouldn't the Thursday game be bigger for the public? You would think so, but I'm telling you, it's not the case. Mm. The ah. accumulators, the amount ah. of you can't, I, I can't even begin to explain to you how many parlays and teasers are placed on the NFL compared to other sports. So, doesn't that say, Maddie, the fact that the books don't have the data to understand if it's three legs in and there's only two left, there's a big exposure? Is that just a matter of you, you think there's complications that are insurmountable to calculate it? Or do you think it's just no one's done multiple systems used by bookmakers? And there's a lot of different things that go into it. First of all, they don't have the best algorithms to figure it out. Second of all, they're using multiple systems, some for paper parlay, some for their app, some for their over-the-counter tracking system. They don't always speak in back-end reporting together the best. But the new companies that are starting from scratch with the white light, the real professional white label type stuff, it's better. It's still not perfect, but they're getting better. Okay. All right. Faz, anything else on your game? I think that's enough. Maddie Holt, pick number two. 
Uh, we're going to go with the Houston Texans and minus four and a half here against the Carolina Panthers. Carolina, one of those teams last week, starting a new quarterback in Kyle Allen, who far exceeded expectations. This is a team everyone was looking to bet against last week. What I really took away from that game last week is the Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in football at defending other tight ends. And we saw it again last week with Greg Olson, who didn't have the best year, catching two touchdown passes against Arizona. We saw it with Detroit in week one as Hawkinson went for 126 yards and a touchdown. He's caught two passes for nine yards since. Arizona can't defend tight ends, and thus Kyle Allen looked better than he's probably going to here going on the road for his second start. We we talk about the Denver Broncos defense being disappointing with zero sacks. No disappointment here in Houston. Ten sacks in three games for the Houston Texans defense. And on offense, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller give you the best receiving tandem in the NFL. Deshaun Watson with a QB rating of 79. I think the Texans roll here by double digits. Okay, now I'm a little concerned about this one. Let me play devil's advocate. Fez, why don't you start? Get, first of all, what's your thoughts on this pick? Yeah, I like the pick. I like Houston. And my, why? my handicap's different from Maddie's, which is good. So let's, let's go back in our time machine three weeks ago, all right? So Houston's an eight-and-a-half win team with a very difficult strength of schedule as well. But, well, the strength of schedule is built into the, the, the over-under. Correct. Work. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so, so, so Houston, so if you, if you said that, bear with me here. All right. If you, um, if you said, oh, well, how good are these teams? And you said, well, Houston's supposed to win eight and a half games and Carolina's supposed to win eight. They're, Houston's about a half game better. And I'd argue they're a little bit better than that because they had. So to- if we're using that as a proxy for a true power rating, You'd have to make some adjustments for the very extreme easy schedules and the hard schedules. Exactly right. And Houston has a difficult schedule. But bottom line, if we're going to make a point spread on this game, we're going to make Houston more than a three-point favorite. I don't know if we're going to make them three and a half This or assumes four. Cam, Cam is the quarterback. Exactly. This assumes a healthy we have Cam. a healthy Cam. So we the, the, the Though let's agree to the following. He was hurt all preseason. He was hurt last year. So there was some question about his how. Yes. In week three preseason, that's when he got injured. So prior to that, this is what those numbers are. You sure? Were. I think it was week two. It's week three. No uh-huh. I'm Check sure. It. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would say that a healthy Cam, the expectation was he was going to be healthy this year. This line should be four. Well, now what's happened? Has Houston underperformed? No, Houston's played well so far this year. So why is Houston only laying four against Kyle Allen? Is Kyle Allen suddenly as good as Cam Newton was supposed to be? It's supposed to be. That's the key. I agree with you there. That's ludicrous to me. And, and I think what's happened is this is an overreaction to the fact that Kyle Allen played a absolute dream game last week. Now, what does that mean, though? Arizona can't cover tight ends, which is so what I the, said. So the matchup is the thing you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Is that what you meant? What I meant, no, I meant small data sample. So, so I, I was going with the small data sample that Kyle Allen, people are looking at, he's played two games in the NFL and he was great week 17 last year and he was great last week. But I'm still not buying into the fact that Kyle Allen is as good as what a healthy Cam would be. Hmm. I think he's going to be under pressure this week. Houston gets pressure on the quarterback. So you're saying, you're saying that because of the matchup, he had an easier game, Matt. Yes. And you're saying, see, when I hear he had a good game last year and a good game this year, I'm starting to think, okay, well, when's it going to tell us something? But something I heard on, I think it was the Ringer pod, they said, and maybe we can look this up, they said that they tried, that they traded for or did something to get a backup quarterback other than Allen, and Allen just beat him out. 
But even after last year when they had been in camp and, and you know, he was there the whole year, right, last year? I, yeah. Yes. Well, Taylor Heineke was the number two. He was the backup quarterback, and he got hurt. Okay, that's that was why on Alan Monday night in. or something, wasn't it, I remember? Or it was right. Okay, but late in the year, so Allen was the third-string guy. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is entering this year, who was competing for the second-string Will job? Greer, the West Virginia rookie. Okay, and they drafted him where? I don't recall. Well, let's pull I mean, yeah. turn and look. So what I'm saying is I think it was a fair – it wasn't like the seventh round, I don't think. So my point's going to be if it was the fourth or fifth round, they spent a real choice thinking we don't have our backup. Because if you think you have your backup, but you're really picking someone fourth or fifth – and again, we'll see for here in a second. Um, here's my other thoughts on the game. What worries me is Carolina is a team that a lot of serious people think is – Third very, round. Third round. That's a high freaking choice. So if, the real question is, is Fez ever going to look something up faster than the other person? And he always points at the machine like somehow it's the machine's fault. You do realize if it's the machine's fault, you should get a new machine. Hundredth right? pick. Yeah. So third round. So can we agree to the, <laughs> the, Thanks, Fez. Okay. <laughs> you want to give us anything else, son? No. All right, so here's the question. If you think you got your guy, if Allen's like this gem that people don't know about yet, because look how well he did in the other game, but we're, the last year we're showing them a little touch of that, would you draft someone in the third round? Probably not, but quarterback drafting's weird. I mean, the Patriots spent a second but, but, or third but, but, pick but see, on Garoppolo. Belichick's the one guy that does that. Because okay. he figures he'll have a cheap backup for as long, and worst case, he can trade him, or not worst case, he did trade him. Sometimes you can trade him for even a better pick than you trade. So you're renting, and then you're getting more back later sometimes. If you look at the net draft capital he spent on quarterbacks, I think they've probably, if you combine that with the money they've spent, which has always been a rookie. Like the Steelers had Byron Leftwich all that time. He was getting paid a veteran's salary, yeah. right? And then they had a Batch for all that time. I'm not saying that's a bad decision. Belichick is saying, I can get rookies potentially hit a home run, worst case, draft two in later rounds and have one that's a good backup. I think if you're a good drafter, that's a good idea. But this is the third round. Yeah. And they've already had their backup, the theory was. Sure. If this guy was any good. So I think the team is telling us they didn't have a lot of faith in this guy. And And I don't have a lot of faith. They know more than us. Yeah, I think it was an aberration last year. I mean, last week. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, anything else fast for you? That's it. My last thought is the Titans, or I checked that the Texans made a decision I hated last week was they moved their guard. I think it was their left, right guard to right tackle. Because to me, you always hear from line coaches, cohesion, time together, left-handed, it's tough, right? You know, all this stuff, how hard it is to make changes. They did it out of desperation, but by far, had their best blocking game. And they had made a trade. I mean, obviously, they made a trade for Tunzel yeah. right before the start of the season. Which so is, there wasn't going to be any cohesion. It's taken a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but that's Look, just, they should be 3 and you're 0. Tired. If not for the New Orleans miracle, they were undefeated. This offense, they traded to make their offensive line better. Mm-hmm. Let's all agree this. It's better now. That personnel is better. Their offensive yeah, line. Yeah, but my, my net point is I didn't like making, like, if I had known that, and again, we decided not to play. Uh, Brad's pick more driven by the line move at that point. It was like 10 cents towards or against Brad. So, like, we liked other games. Why do it, right? 
but I didn't even know about this before the game. I read about it after. In general, if a team's struggling on the line and they make a change, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Faz? Yes. So you might say, well, it's bad to start. Well, there's a reason that was what you thought the lineup should be to start with. And, you know, it's almost like the situation with the, my picks coming up, so it would be perfect time, is everyone's looking at Case Keenum saying, oh, get rid of him. It's like, yeah, he's not playing great, but what's the alternative? It's got to be worse. Or why did you start Keenum to start with? You know, and, so. and you can make the case. My understanding is they put two rookies there that they drafted high into the O-line. So we would expect if they had the success the first week that that success yeah. would so, get so even better. So what I'm better. saying is I would have predicted it was a bad move, but it turned out to be a good move. Yeah. And it's just one game, but that makes me feel better about it. You know, so agreement all around. My pick, and I kind of teased it, this is the most RJ pick maybe ever, which is – the Washington Redskins. And here's why. Which, which team this season has had more people with the incremental excitement? Meaning, if you think about what was the level of excitement coming into the week versus coming out, which team has increased more than the Giants? None. Right? I mean, I, I can't. I mean, it was like the talk of every talk show. Daniel Jones, finally. Eli, good luck, buddy. Daniel Jones was the lead for two days. I saw this. I can't remember where, where the entering this week, the Giants were 100 to 1 to win their division. And now they're down to 18 to 1. So I'm not sure what number, you know, if that's, I don't think that's a fair number. I don't know. But what I know is that's a mighty big jump for one win. Wouldn't you agree, Maddie? Yeah, it was a huge jump. And, and it's caused some problems with their YPP numbers. All of a sudden, we see you know that that one good game, which they were stuck eighteen in, which is and without their star running back. So obviously, they're throwing the football down the field, and suddenly, you know their their yards per game per play stats are all a little bit out of whack because it's a small sample in one game. Well, but crazy. I trust the ones with Dan. I mean, the point I'm making is this: I think Daniel Jones showed himself well. Yes. I think that whatever optimism you had for the Giants has to go up. But, man, oh, man, this feels like overreaction. It's, it was, was built in a lab. It's almost was like almost like the McNuggets, supposedly, they build to, to make him taste just right, to addict you on the oils. And, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't work on me, but what I'm saying is that it was like a perfection to make the Giants overrate or or – Maybe too upgraded. So, Fez, what did you do on the upgrade for the Giants? And we'll look at that. And then the other side is going to be Washington. For a team that didn't play, to me, all that bad. For Case Keenum that has, like, the 14th highest QBR. And you could say QBR doesn't matter. Well, what does then, all right? I mean, at some point, we got to have numbers on quarterbacks. If a guy who's above average a QBR is the problem... And everyone's talking about they got to get rid of Keenum. It's like, I think there's an overreaction to how bad Washington is. And one of the biggest downgrades, Washington, I think the biggest upgrade, the Giants, in public perception, that just means it's too. To me, I don't trust those extreme swings, and we got them in both directions. Yeah, and I upgraded the Giants by one point from last week. Let me explain why. Even though... I upgraded Daniel Jones by two points. I think everyone's ignoring 
the injuries to the Giants. Look at Barkley. He's my number one rated running back in the NFL. He's out for, six, I think, six to eight weeks. So that's a big offset to all of the Daniel Jones upgraded quarterback. And the Giants still have their problems at wide receiver, the cluster injuries. Corey Latimer, he's banged up. He may not play. They only have one good wide receiver, Sterling Shepard. Uh, Daniel Jones is going to have to do it pretty much on his own. And it's hard to say two points isn't enough because, like, what's the difference between Tom Brady and and forget the pick six for a second and Stidham? Now, I know you don't think Brady's one of the top 11 quarterbacks, Fez, but how's that going for you? Yeah, I got Brady number two now. Okay. And uh, you've got him to finish in the top 11. If QBR. We, we bet. So. Yeah. But my question, my don't tell his wife. My question is that Brady to Stidham is what? Eight points. Okay. Well, that seems way high. I, uh, I bumped it up after Stidham's pick six really? last week. That seems square as, oh, my mm. gosh. Small sample. So one pass. Yeah, small sample means you don't react to it. Not that, not that you overreact. That's crazy. When you say small sample, you're supposed to mean you didn't react to it. Not that you do. Right? Well, I, I was saying small sample. Like, I don't I, – I think I got to react <laughs> so, somewhat. To, and I have upgraded Brady also. You think one pass you have to react to. That's the smallest sample on earth. It is. <laughs> but either way, let's say Big Ben to Rudolph. Six. Okay. Now, that's about what I would – you know, I, I recalled – so think about it. You the distance from an unproven, you know, second year player and Big Ben is six, and you transversed a third of that in one week. By uh, in fact, Barkley, you said is one of the most valuable non or in fact, you have a top tier of non quarterbacks. There's five of them in your list, if I remember. Yeah. I, I, stop. I'm asking a question. Yeah, I mean, honestly, stop. You have enough trouble when you hear the questions. Just listen. Here's my uh, three, two, one. Here's my question: Is Barkley's in that top tier that's of a handful of players that's worth a point and a half? Correct. Yes. So you're saying you upgraded Daniel Jones more than any other player? Like you could trade Barkley to a team, and they wouldn't improve any bad any more, even if he knew the offense, than what you improve the Giants off of Daniel Jones. Yes. Okay, who's on that list, just to give people perspective? Yeah, so Zeke Elliott's the other running back. Um, Houston wide receiver Hopkins. Uh, Julio Jones for Atlanta. And I think you had Khalil Mack, maybe, or but one other. You can pull it up. And again, obviously, this is about a point or point and a half, and then there's another list. But think about that, guys, for a second. If your team picked up uh, Zeke, picked up, you know, just pick one of these guys, Barkley, You'd say, yeah, well, Vegas says your team just got a point and a half better. Fez just said the Giants got two points better. It's hard to say that was an underreaction. Yeah, so the other two guys were Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans, wide receivers. Now, was Evans on that list before last week? Yes, uh, he was. All right. He's, he's had the flu. Because that's, that's six guys. You said there were five. I added Julio Jones. Oh, okay, okay. And what led you to do that? Him signing the contract? I think him single-handedly winning the game against the Eagles. Well, you took that game serious. You were just dying to bet Atlanta the next week, weren't you? Don't bring that up. <laughs> so what's your power rating say? But on the Giants in Washington, where if you just did the simple math. Yeah, so simple math, Washington's minus six and a half. Giants are minus six. So I, I do have the Giants a half point better, but the Giants, I only give two for home field. 
Okay. So what we're saying here is we're getting three in the super. And that's part of this. The market right now is more towards what, 2.6? Yeah, 2.68. <laughs> All right. And so to me, this is a, and, and this is the last piece of my handicap. If the market's saying it should be a little above two and a half, and I'm getting three, and I've got the most overreacted to two teams in each direction, I can't not pick it. I don't like what I don't like any of it. I don't care. I have to. Any disagreements? No, I don't disagree. Well, I mean, it's easy to make the case that the Washington Redskins, uh, you know, defense has been terrible, allowing 94 points in three games. You know who's been worse? The New York Giants, allowing 97 points in three games. And the number 30, number 31 ranked YPP allowed at 6.8 yards allowed per play. New York Giants, second worst in the NFL, only team worse the Miami Dolphins. I could only side with the Redskins here for sure. And ba- back to public perception, RJ, Tampa Bay has a chip shot 30-yard field goal to win that game against the Giants despite all that Daniel Jones did. What would mm, the spread be one. if the Giants were staring at 0-3 after having lost the game, which they should have at in the final seconds? That's a good point. That's a very good point. We forget that this is not an abstraction for most people. It's not W's on a piece of paper, especially the ATS part. It's it's getting paid or not, right? So, last question. New thing, and we'll tease it for next week. I want to know the biggest upgrades and downgrades in your power ratings because I'm going to look to fade the, the, the adjustments. I think just even you, as a wise guy, overreact to what you see. And I think I, I just you're going to do it less than almost anyone. I still think you're going to do it. You want to see it um, teams with key injuries and teams without key injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Key injuries to me are not. That's an informational adjustment. Like Jets, for instance. Yeah. What I would do is assume everyone who's going to play this season's playing. Then mm-hmm. who have you adjusted? Right. So, for example, how much have you adjusted Washington? Because I'm going to make the point, Washington came in the year not one of the worst teams. They were in that clear next tier. I'm guessing they were somewhere 22 to 25. You know, they were, and then money poured in against them right be- before So this is, again, post. you not believing your opinion. I thought they had the third lowest season win. Their, their season win closed like under six, lay minus 140, yeah. but it was six and a half for a long time. Okay, so I'm asking, though, what your power ratings were. Oh, I had a minus four and a half. Okay, and again, to me, it's always a one to 32. Re- relative. One second. I had one, two. Wow, I had him number 30, RJ. You had him 30? Yes. Well, then I, I'm confused. No, no, I believe you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm confused about, I guess I'm just thinking of all the teams I heard that were the worst teams. Right? So we knew Miami. Yeah, Arizona. We knew Arizona. Giants. But apparently you had Washington worse than the Giants? Had them tied, both at minus four and a half. Okay. Who else was tied there? Oakland was better than these teams? I had Oakland minus four. They still had Antonio Brown at the time. Uh-huh. And who else was in the mix? Cincy minus four. Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe if we're assuming that we're only going by half-point increments, that you, a team could be 30 or they could be 26 by a half a point, Right. right? All right. I just didn't – maybe it's just narrative. I just didn't feel like they thought Washington was one of the worst. And I know what you're saying, Matt, the batting market did. And maybe that that is the most – I guess we'd never really talk skins on the show, so I didn't get a sense that I felt like they were a tear away. But you're saying both the market and your numbers didn't say that. 
then I guess I wonder. Then I'm starting to question my pick then because if these were e- the Giants were even or better in the preseason or, or entering the year. Yeah, they equal teams. All right. It strikes me that Daniel Jones makes the Giants better. What do the Redskins have that makes Can the them- Giants really be better with that injury? Oh, you're saying net net with Barkley yeah. out. You could I mean, say the Barclay's offense big. the offense is netting and that defense is just horrendous for the Giants. Yeah, so your point is even with the big upgrade, you do that with Barkley, it about evens out. Right. I think so. And that's it's almost like Eli's the quarterback. <laughs> yes. With Barkley. Yeah. Yes. But then is it would it still be value? It sounds like it should be th- oh, it's back to the Giants at home. You know something? I I don't know about a lot of this. I'm not as sure as I was because I just don't think the skins are that bad, maybe. And and maybe it, I I just don't think they're that bad because why are they? Meaning that I think Case Keenum's an average quarterback, right? So, I mean, meaning I'm not saying they're an average team. I'm saying their defense is underperformed, but that's another question. Their D was supposed to be much better. Do we trust the three games totally? See, I don't understand at all how you had him 30. Like, and again, it looks like you were right. It's just them being 30 now, I get. Them being 30 before the season, and what are they now? 30. So somehow yeah. they weren't downgraded. They're 29th. <laughs> so, oh, wait a minute. The skins have gotten better, apparently. Because the Jets have gotten worse. Well, you know, as Fess said on SOV today, we'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. Now we're going to go through rotation order. But remember, bonus best bets. And I'm going to have one today. I don't always have a second one. I love a second game. We're going through rotation order. And whenever those bonus best bets are, well, they are. But when Fezzes comes up is when we play Blossom because he's the lead NFL. All right, we did the Texans. Oh, it's a good game. Colin was ahead of this one. Opening number, Ravens three and a half. Now, it was five, you know, it was, but it got to seven really quick. Maddie, are you familiar with this line move? Can you explain, or Fez, who's got the better feel of when the move happened? I know it was quick. With the Baltimore Ravens number? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was right out of the gate. Look, this is when you see syndicate action. People always talk about syndicates, and I'm going to break the mold here, and maybe this isn't the place to do it, but I'm going to break the little secret. It's Most exactly books the place take to do syndicate it. bets. They'll take bets from the syndicates, but they limit them heavily. So they take those bets early. So if you're a syndicate and you already know you're going to be heavy, heavily limited, when are you going to be most likely to bet? Early in the week when your numbers disagree the most with the odds makers numbers. So what we tend to see the syndicate bets the most is very early because that's when they say, hey, my my numbers disagree with theirs. I'm going to hammer them. And then if the numbers move late, they come back in again. I thought that this this line moved very quickly. So let's talk about what you said because I think that there's a lot of history saying otherwise, so I want to understand it. One is when we say syndicates, let's use that. This is what what I consider a syndicate. A group of bettors who all work together using advanced analytics and algorithms as the baseline for their betting. I think that's fair. Now let's break that up into big syndicates versus not big or small. To me, a big syndicate, if they're betting an NFL game, at minimum wants to get down 50 What do we consider like Raz? Not nothing. I mean, like, because it's in, in that case, that is something where it's a very illiquid market, the college basketball totals. Oh, no, I'm sorry. When I say not, I meant uh, that would be, I guess, if there's, like you said, groups of people 
batting that, which brings up interesting points about when things are released and the, the pr- premature line moves. But getting that's just a rabbit Because I hear about these mysterious betting syndicates, but what I want to know well, is... Let's use, let's use, uh, where someone, are they betting? Let's use someone like Billy back in the day, not as let's the person we're Billy. talking about, sure. but say abstractly someone like Billy. Sure. He, when Billy was looking to bet, he was looking to get down hundreds of thousands, right? Yes, and, and he was given days when he was allowed to bet. And Billy always bet twice, right at the beginning of the week, mm-hmm. later on in the week. Now, here's the question, though. At the beginning, and here's was where I most disagree with what you said. The bigger syndicates, and again, Dave Malinsky worked for Billy for 10 years. I picked his brain extensively. Not saying I'm right. I'm saying that's why I'm. I just know when the bets no, are And that's what I'm saying. Billy. You know so much more about this yeah. than me. So that's the starting point. That's why I want to learn about it. He always was like when you, when with Billy. I don't want to quote him verbatim. The gist that I got was with Billy. He was doing. He would do enough real moves early that people took them seriously. But the main reason that he was batting early was for setups later. So let's just say to use round numbers. Uh, oh, go ahead. Every single bet he made with us was the exact same size. Okay, because. With you guys, you guys had, and, and again, he was always going to bet the limit. Correct. But he, always the limit. But he he was going to buy. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, he certainly bought back at least a third of the games. With you, mm-hmm. you don't even know where. Yeah, so perfect. And that's an interesting number I never heard. So early numbers, you would guess. A, and again, we're talking abstractions here, uh, not Billy. Is about a third of the games would be he, bought back. Now that's in. I had I had no idea that number. Twenty five to thirty. 35 is way too high. 25 to 30% for sure. All right. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Okay. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. So now the game itself, Ravens-Browns. <laughs> I like the under in this game a lot, actually. I think the, the Browns' defense is still a little bit better than people realize that defensive line is pretty good. We saw it play pretty well again Sunday night, uh, especially in the first half. And, and this is going to be the best defense that Lamar Jackson faces this year by far, at least the best defensive line by far. And on the other side of it, this Cleveland offense is really struggling for so many reasons um, with inefficiencies with within that offense. And although this total has dropped a point and a half already from 46 to 45, I think anything above 44 and a half still, the value probably lies at the under. So you like this? I like the under, yeah. Okay. I'm going to bet against you, I think, on okay. this one. So what do we got? What's our number? Let's make uh, – Faz, why don't you give your handicap? First start on the total. Yeah, so I am indifferent on the total. Maddie brings up a good point that uh, Lamar has gotten to play against Miami, Arizona, and Kansas City's yeah. defense. And so, of course, he's got good numbers against those defenses. I lean to Cleveland, almost alike. Almost liked it, but just a lean. I got to tell you. What has Baltimore done to justify laying seven points in this situation? I mean, yeah, they crushed Miami. Since then, they they got by a bad Arizona team. Oh, B.S. B.S. How bad are they? They they had the best result against the Lions, right? Against Miami? No, they had the best result against the Lions, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? It's yes. 
Arizona tied. It was 24 to 6 in the fourth. Listen, there's all kinds of stories we can tell about everything. There's the game at the end. Best result against the Lions, correct? How couldn't it be? The Lions are undefeated. They tied one game. It was Arizona. Correct. Okay. So, and the fact is, Ravens, if you wanted to make the case on the Ravens, what would you say about that Arizona game? You'd say Arizona's better than people think. And you know something, they were in total control of that game, up two scores, late score by Arizona, right? How is Arizona better than people think? Well, I think Arizona is, I mean, what's their ATS record? And that Arizona yeah, game Yeah, I mean, by definition, under. they're 2-1, and one, right? They got crushed by Carolina. They're 1-1 one, one and one in the game against Baltimore. Yeah, so 2-1. and one. Yeah. Jesus, are you slow today? Yes, they're 2-1. and one. <laughs> Is that by definition better than people think? Yes. Okay, so again, they had the best result against Detroit of any team, and they're better than people think. Have they, what have they been? You haven't upgraded them. I, I don't know that they're better at 0-1-1. Are they really? I, I actually downgrade them half since the beginning of the year. Ooh. Oh, that's interesting. I think they're better. I think I thought it was very you didn't think it was possible that that quarterback wasn't going to do anything that he was going to be the you know like a bust of bust at 58. Well, I think it was very it's very unclear whether he's still going to be a bust. But he hasn't what I'm saying is he's been competitive. Yeah, he's been competitive. They and haven't won debate. a game yet, but they but he's been competitive. Yeah, they've been competitive, and they're covering the spread. I mean, I'm talking about expectations. Not that Arizona's a good team. They covered two spreads, then last week they you know got blown out. And if we want to overweight that, we can. I, you no, know, I mean they they beat now the get, expectation twice. Yeah, and we're getting. But I to think, your point, one of them was a late touchdown backdoor cover, in the and and game. that's my point is it's like you can't have it both ways. You, I think that if a late touchdown is invalidating Arizona, like you said, yeah, they covered, but they really didn't. That means the, you can't be negative, negative on, the, on Ravens the Ravens because Fair enough. Of it. Good point. And you do it always like that, right? It's like whatever the, whatever the story that's Just keep it fine. natural or neutral. And I think that maybe you're right about this, but I'm just saying keep it neutral. Fair enough. And bottom line is Baltimore, okay, a little bit better than we expected, but – Coming into the year, Cleveland was supposed to be the better team, and now Baltimore's laying seven. Seems like an extreme. Um, well, that's interesting. So if you stack rank it, Baltimore was the better team. Cleveland going into Oh, the Cleveland year. was. Okay, wow. Yeah. yeah, and they were favored in the division too, right? Right. And remember, all the talk was, should we bet Pittsburgh to win the division against Cleveland? No, no one. That was, wasn't my talk. No one was betting on Baltimore. That was Brad. He, I think yeah. he gave that pick nine times on different platforms. Yeah, that's the same one. That's pretty confetti right now. All right, so here's the question: How much of this? Because I again could imagine you betting the Ravens at five and a half, making a case. Uh, not saying that's wrong. Well, I guess you couldn't want to bet both sides at that spread or at that range. But I could see you liking the Ravens and saying. Well, the thing is, I think the Browns, when they get healthier, are going to be viable. But cluster injuries right now, and again, I need an update on this. Maybe we don't have it. Maybe this is one of the games we can't bet until later. Because I always say bet as early as you can, but not too early. What information do you need? And I think with the Browns, you need the injury information. Because specifically, they had four of four D-backs out, four of four, and one of their key linebackers. What's the status? Yeah, Greedy Williams, cornerback, questionable. Defensive back Ward, questionable. Defensive back Randall, 
questionable. He, he'll, he should be back. He should clear concussion protocol. You miss one game in the NFL for concussions usually. Well, or you, you, your career's over. I mean, you're right most of the time. Yeah. I'm saying is uncertain. Safety Burnett, questionable. So back to what you're saying, RJ. Because really, if all four are out, you don't think of playing the Browns. That's right. And if all four's in, you auto play the Browns. Big bet. So we got it. It's that, right? So yes. this is where if you really understand injuries, like Maddie does have that history of saying, well, here, here, that's one player. You can actually bet as a uh, getting exposure to your injury opinion, right? Is it, I think this guy's coming back. I don't think this guy's coming back. If you're a doctor, I mean, there's guys online that are doctors doing that. That's not betting, but giving that information. Sure. And obviously, if you like Maddie's under, it would really help to have a couple of these guys back playing yeah. defense for you. But I don't. I like the other side. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Their about. offense has been very fortunate. If you take away a couple of quick slants that went to the house, that Cleveland offense has been really bad. Well, but if that's the theory, then I, I don't think – well, here's why I like the over. So, I mean, it's an interesting discussion. We'll see if we want to bat it. And I know you're told – you know, again, I'll let you decide. If you tell me, no, RJ, I don't want you to bat it. I understand you've got the best of it. I won't. So, I'll let you know that right away, buddy. I am a big believer that Harbaugh and, and – Lamar Jackson are going to do better early in the year. Now, I actually was, even though we won with the Ravens on our super contest backdoor, and even though I decimated Fez on the total bat, I was disappointed in how the Ravens did. They were late scores. They, to me, they do mean less. They aren't meaningless, but if the Ray, if it had gone over without late scoring, you know, last four minutes, no scoring, I, I would have been, uh, I would have felt like I was more right. So, to some degree, they disappointed a little bit offensively against Kansas City. And against Arizona. Yes, so I think that was more being vanilla. They ran the ball so much. Or in that game, actually it was the opposite. In the Miami game, they just ran, 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 ran. They threw more. I think he's bringing along Lamar Jackson like you got a maiden. uh, They're not going to want him dropping back and throwing against that Cleveland pass rush too many times. Yeah, that, that could, and again, maybe that is. I think there's going to be. I think the Ravens handicap, the opponent defense against the Ravens is going to be unlike anything we've seen. There's going to be factors like I think Harbaugh isn't even looking at this year. I think. I mean, he wants to win this year. He's thinking because if he can make Lamar Jackson a true top ten NFL quarterback, he's a coach there the next ten years. That's his guy. He brought him along. He drafted him. I don't know if he picked him, but you know what I'm saying. It was He was there when they picked him. If Lamar Jackson's a backup quarterback in a year and a half, Harbaugh's probably out. I think Harbaugh has a longer term, which means he might not – he might accept a lesser chance to win this game to not put Lamar in a bad spot that might get to his confidence or something. So I hear – this is agreeing with you more. My other side of it is that I think he's got some tricks up his sleeve. The fact that he didn't work against Kansas City so well bothers me. So now the question is, was that the end of the tricks? Or are there tricks that work against the Browns that wouldn't have worked against Kansas City? I don't know. I just think they've been very vanilla so far. And here's my next question. What in the heck do we know about the Ravens' defense? Meaning, last year it was mighty good. I'm hearing people I really respect say, well, you know, this D isn't near as good as last year. So... I guess in general, I just think 
the Browns. You know what bothers me though? Some, you know, I'm not going to bet this. What bothers me too is they're saying the Browns are like running an offense that no one's ever seen. And don't we agree that if we were all sitting in this room together and said, "Hey, pick the three most overrated offenses or disappointing, whatever," you know, Browns, change. Browns on the list. Yeah, compared to from prior to the season to now, Browns offenses. In but there. the question is, does the current number account for that? Or do you think it's still got the love of... He'll think... Yeah, because yeah. OD... Because Beckham had a 73-yarder that he took on a two-yard pass. And, Which is what he does. But, but everyone understands now, watching that offense, that one or two things happen. The linebacker moves over, he throws the slant, the linebacker stays there, he hands the ball to Nick Chubb. Yeah. And our teams are really yep, 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 yep. catching on. All right. I'm not... See, this is why we do this. Yeah. I'm not bucking you. Uh, anything else on this? That's it. That's it. Next game. Oh, Giants Redskins. We talked about that. Coach Raiders. Now, this is one that I am not giving my... Oh, wait a minute. You know what this means. It means in one corner. He's youthful. He's younger. He's got a better hair. No, he doesn't, actually. Two good haircuts. (laughs) The Vig, Matty Holt. In the other corner, he goes by Fez. Also, a.k.a. the dirtiest player in the game. Let's let Maddie. You know, the thing is, sadly, Maddie's with his new company, U.S. Integrity. Not the biggest, most influential, non-conflicted integrity company in the universe? Well, in the U.S. for sure. At minimum. At the minimum, yeah. He, I mean, he's running. I mean, how many people are working there now? I think we're up to 14. 14 people this guy bosses around. Then he has to take my crap? Come on. <laughs> so what? he's like, yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, next couple weeks, next even month or two, it's going to be hit or miss with you. So we're going to have other people in your seat. Hopefully we'll catch you some weeks. So uh, you're going to be sending. Oh, I better come out strong now. Yeah, and you're going to be sending in your picks. Uh, or at least one a week that we'll use. You're still part of the Super Contest. Yeah, and hopefully as my schedule allows, yeah. I come in. So we're we're hoping, but let's appreciate what we got and let you start. You know, one of the interesting things about this game is, let's face it, Oakland Raiders were a bottom five team coming into the season, still a bottom five team. This Indianapolis Colts offensive line that everybody raved about going into the postseason last year is just as good as everyone expected it is. And we talked about teams that have to throw the ball too much, not having success this year in the NFL. That's not the case for the Indianapolis Colts. 450 yards on the ground through three games. Marlon Mack, 300 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, running the ball behind that big offensive line. That's opening up opportunities for Jacoby Brissett, who's been pretty good in the passing game, completing over 70% of his passes for seven touchdowns and one interception. This Oakland defense has just got torched two weeks in a row. I think this makes it three in a row. I'd like the Colts big. Going head to head here, I um, you know it's interesting. You talk about how um, the running game's been so good for Indianapolis, but I would argue the passing game, especially a wide receiver, T. Y. Hilton, still a very key component. I don't think T. Y. is going to play. He's you know questionable, doubtful to play. Twenty catches, one hundred ninety-five yards. Doesn't sound that special. Hold on a second. Is he questionable or doubtful? He's questionable. 
I heard he's. I read one report that he's more likely to not play. That's not doubtful. Doubtful is a term of art, meaning that the the league has specific mm. terms. So you're saying he's questionable, but you think he's edging towards not playing. That's right. More like 40%. Then. But you do understand what doubtful right. is, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, let me give you the numbers here for the wide receivers for the Colts. So T.Y. only 195 yards receiving. That's what? About 66 per game. Nothing special. But the number two wide receiver only has 50 yards. So basically tight end Jack Doyle, who is never going to make a breakaway. Has 87 yards. He has 87 yards. And uh, Ebron's a very good so tight end. How many end. yards have they thrown for this year? The He's got like 19 receivers. 646 yards. Okay, so if he has 19 receivers, that's probably a pretty good sign. <laughs> he has a lot. But 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 T.Y. Hilton, still very, very important to this offense. And I don't know if the best defender is going to play for Indy. Darius Leonard, concussion protocol still, and he's very important to the defense. That Basically, the Indy defense has really struggled this year, giving up 6.4 yards per play. All right, so hold on a second. We were talking about the concussion protocol has a certain cycle that's typical. When did this guy get hurt? Not this week, but the week before. He missed the So he's probably going to play. So we're, he's probably going to play. Well, he's listed his question. Yep. If you're going to lean toward one way with T.Y., let's yeah, lean yeah, toward yeah, the yeah. staff. Fair enough. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that would be actually <laughs> yeah. a fair representation. Come on. And, and I got I got to be honest. I thought that this was a good spot for Oakland in that they've got this five-game road trip. This is their second game, and they've got three more tough opponents coming up. And I was thinking Oakland needs this game like blood, but they're going to be staring at like 0-5. But I have concerns. Except they already won the first uh, game. In the next, it, on the road trip. Oh. Right. right. They're going to be staring at one and six, RJ. But I do think I don't, I, maybe I did not properly assess the distractions of the fact that Oakland's going to London after going to Indianapolis here. Me and Maddie, baby. <laughs> yeah. When right. he shows weakness, you know he knows he has the wrong side. And the Raider organization is not exactly one that instills confidence in me in having unique travel situations that they're going to be able to game plan for. Who told you that one, Fred? You did. Okay, so here's the key. We're laying six and a half, baby. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Contest number so six Fred's and getting and a half. the worst of the line. <laughs> I mean, this You know is... he hates the worst oh, of the line Oh, part. my God. <laughs> it's going to close eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's so going to close seven and a half, eight. <laughs> You want to buy out fast? Don't tell the wife, regardless. For 20 bucks, yeah. <laughs> so you see the error your ways now, right? I do. Him and that, you know, he almost, he probably cost us a super contest because the, remember, we were like tied with two weeks to go. We would have been in a better position because the third week before. T.Y. He, I was, no, I'm serious. I was saying, we got to play the coach. We got to play. It's Saturday morning. We're going back and forth on the fifth game. No, T.Y. Hill. <laughs> I mean, it was obsessive. And I go, listen. He, he the, is obsessed with the guy. The guy won two super contests. I said, all right, fine. Stop. You know, we lose that game. And it put us in a meta mode where we had to be contrarian yeah. the rest of the time. I've never really expressed my discomfort. <laughs> Honestly, Faz, that's the first time I brought it up, isn't it? It is. That shows you I never bring up decisions like and that. And literally national anthem, it was like Colt 17 nothing right off the bat. <laughs> and the bat. fact that if Maddie would have just went 500 last year, we would have won it going away. I'm not Wait. judging that either. <laughs> it was I'm funny. Really good. All joking aside, he did have, you know craft the bet on the, the best bets, but you helped 
Fez gave me a lot of credit, and I think rightfully so, about my fourth and fifth picks that I was doing. But your feedback really helped on that. So it was a nut- that's why we brought you back. All right. But, Fez, you got 600 exposed now. Wonderful. <laughs> Last thing I'll say is the Raiders, I think all this hard knock stuff, then that big Monday night game, the Brown stuff, I think you, and now they're getting ready for London. I think this is a team that's tired. And, and I think that mar- we don't even need this much margin. I don't even understand this line. Three and a half plus three is six and a half. So we're pretty much saying that on a neutral, it'd be Indy three and a half over the Raiders. And if this game were in Oakland, it'd be pick them. I am five points apart in my, my power rating. So that means it should be eight. Yep. But T.Y. just blinded you. You know what I love is if you just make one mistake here, you you have to pay. So oh, yeah. it's not just you get one. It's like everyone's able to jump on. Going to drown my sorrows it, in a one steak this sauce is tonight. Very Darwinian. Ty, you knew, and you know what's funny is Ty's going to play and have ten catches anyway. You know what we can do, Fez? I'll probably be laying the six and a half in the super con- so you can be hedged out. You know, that's a great point because you think about my implied bet in the Super Contest yeah. and how much that's worth, and it dwarfs this petty 600 I'm going to pay. <laughs> <No, did, laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell the wife. Is, did anyone take the time to look up where we're at in that contest, or were we all just so having too much fun? October. I've been having too much fun. Uh, I've been on airplanes, man. <laughs> all right, next game. Oh, what I was going to say, two Raiders came out after the game talking about we got to take this more seriously. <laughs> Now, that's troublesome this early in the season. Yeah, Burf said... Uh, oh, you heard this? Yeah, right. Burf said's already kind of uh, button heads with some of the younger guys. Well, he's guys. doing that regardless. Yeah, it's... I hate him. It's he, I really... He's the he's only NFL player I hate. Bengal cheap shot artist. No, he really is. I mean, I, I know. hurt I know people. It. It's just... Ah, I won't get into him. He was the guy that was holding back Antonio Brown from a fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's troublesome. Bill's Patriots. Oh, Dave Esler here. This is great. And Fez, you actually, if I recall, you have a derivative on this game? On the total, I'm going under the 42. All right, let's start on the side, Matty. You know, I don't have a big opinion of this game. Um, Historically, that's a tough place to go play, and this is my favorite defense in the entire NFL. So it's not. Yeah, the Bills. I mean, I just love this defense. They don't get, they're not getting the sacks or the turnovers that that they got last year yet, but the numbers are still pretty impressive. And I was trying to go back to last year's game here and see what the final score was because I knew New England needed a late pick six to cover that game. I think the final was 24-12. No, that was the New England game. <clears throat> that was the Monday night game, but but you're absolutely right. It was 24-12, and it took the pick six late to cover it. And what happened was I was in that New York <clears throat> ESPN contest with Chris Canty, the former player. We had a $5,000 challenge, one pick a week. And I was pulling away from him, and he had the Patriots. And somehow that, you know, that pick six yeah. covered for him. So, But I still remember. But So, yeah, I mean, I, I just – these teams historically play tight here. And I, I just – I don't want to lay it. I don't want to <laughs> take it. I got, I got no real opinion here. So I'm going to look this up because I'm almost sure I read a stat recently about how well – the Pats have played here. So, do you have that? Yeah, yeah. last 15 years, maybe you can double check. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, what I, what I have is 14-1, and one, New straight England up. straight up, 12-2-1 against the spread at Buffalo. Yeah, so I think it shows you how memory can be faulted sure. with these things. 
last year, the recent game that we all remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, and again, you, uh, I think what's important and what we do well almost always yeah. is when Get we don't have truth. an opinion, we don't. Yeah. Well, not only that, but if we don't have an opinion, we don't. Because you're just pretty much saying, yeah, I don't right. Have one. And you're, yeah. you're kind of, I threw to you first. It was probably my fault. So, this is what I'll say on this game. And then we'll get to the total. And I'm actually intrigued by the total because it feels like an old-school handicap. That's right, though. Meaning all the old-school handicaps aren't I mean, it's like underrated defense. Pat's got Bra- – I can do your handicap before. Pat's got Brady. Everyone's thinking – but no, no, no. This year. Now, the receivers aren't what they were in earlier games, right? And Maybe. Edelman <laughs> – Edelman's banged up. Not 100%. Edelman's worth three and a half yeah. to the and we know, And we know Josh Allen's limited, so Belichick's going to be able to limit him. You might not have even thought of that one, or did you? I did not. See? So how do you even know the ones he didn't that, think That's of? good. Because <laughs> he, if you are limited, Belichick will stop you, right? We see that with the rookies. So I like it. It just is kind of obvious, which scares me. Josh Allen greatly improved by a passer. Now, Bill Barnwell had this. Very good. One of your new favorites, Fez, the um, advanced mat. What's the name of the co- next gen stats? Next gen stats. So they were look. Did you have this? No. Okay, because I didn't want to step on. It. Is they do a really cool thing? They look at the passes on a pass per pass basis and say a typical NFL quarterback would complete X percentage of these passes, and then they aggregate it and they'll say how well because it's accounting for how far you go downfield helping the receivers are. It's like a level of difficulty on every throw. And last season, Josh Allen, rookie year, right, is if you were to judge his accuracy, not based upon that, which we'll talk about in a minute, but upon the completion percentage plus from pro football reference, this century, the only quarterbacks worse than Josh Allen, Cam Newton actually in 2016 Oh, Kaiser so-so or Kaiser no-no cover for the Browns in 17 and Blaine Gabbert. And then fourth is Josh Allen, the most inaccurate passers this century. And you might think, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. You're right, it is. And if you look at the next-gen stats that same season, he completed eight percentage points less than expected. He should have hit um, or seven less, 60%. He hit 53. Okay, horrible. This season, small sample, three weeks. He's up completing a higher percentage of passes than he's supposed to. So he's gone from a historically inaccurate quarterback to an above average NFL quarterback for accuracy. Isn't it expected that rookie year to sophomore, if you actually start as a rookie, you make the biggest jump? Yeah, but accuracy is what they say you can never gain, right? They always say the inaccurate quarterbacks in college are never. And Josh Allen was wildly inaccurate at Wyoming. That was the big diss on him that that people said he would not be able to develop into. So all I'm saying is it's only three games, but let's keep an eye on Josh Allen's accuracy. And again, Bill Mm. Barnwell, all the credit on that level of analysis. Um, By the way, Bill's, this is kind of a fun sports one, 74% of teams since 1980 that started 3-0 made the playoffs. So, you know, about a three out of four chance. So, well, I saw around town you could get what plus 185 on the no bills to make the playoffs. Oh, is that right? So, it's yeah. back. Okay. Interesting. All right, Faz. So, give us the handicap. So, we're going under the 42. The Patriots defense has been historically good. How good? 
Well, they have not given up a touchdown in the first three games. Now, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Jets got 14 points. Well, special teams and um, an interception return for the 14 points. Helping us with the cover. Helping us with the cover. We'll take it. Um, oh, we will. And if you, but if you look at the underlying numbers for yards per play, Maddie's down with the YPP, I know. Three and a half YPP that New England's giving up on defense. Now, remember, New England, the book on them was always that, hey, they'd have decent YPP. Their offense would be like 5.9. Their defense would be like only average, 5.5. And we'd be making the case, hey, but that defense is above average because they stop third downs and they do lots of little things that aren't appreciated in the stats. Well, the stats are screaming that this is like a better defense than the 1986 Bears. And because of that, what's the, what's, which you don't believe. Which I don't believe. All right. Um, but if, if it's, so, bottom line is New England's offense. Yeah, it's above average right now. But with all these injuries on the O line, with their fullback injured, New England's offense is nothing special. And with that defense, it's just been fantastic. I could make the case that I will expect New England games to not be any higher scoring than any other team in the NFL, if not a little bit lower scoring. And I know Buffalo is a team that I expect to play low scoring games with their good defense. Under forty two looks good to me. Devlin out, the fullback you mentioned. He was in 41% of the plays, rare fullback in the NFL. So it might change some sets. But I think in a way, his being important speaks to, I think the Pats are going to be like Gronk was last year, the whole year. If I said, how good was Gronk? Just look at the stats. What would you say? Mediocre. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is relative. your true assessment of Gronk versus the stats. Oh, much, much better. We talked about him being like, what, the roadster that you don't, mm-hmm. you, you can't drive. Sunday, if the weather's right, you bring him out. And you, he just looks spectacular, yes. And I think only as necessary. I think that the Patriots are going to be so good on defense, they can run the ball, run the ball, not expose Brady. He's already, again, a second time is, you know, on the end, you know, it's an extended thing, right? He's calf or whatever. Multiple weeks now. You think they want him taking hits? What's the one thing that hurts his team? Only one. Brady get that really throws him off. Brady getting hurt. So I think you're going to see them win close. I'm going to like them as big. I'm going to like them in competitive games. And I'm going to fade them. Or not fade them as much because of Belichick. And it's just the history. But I'm not going to look to play on them when there's any margin. I mean, look at the... Even though uh, the Jets had the... Two non-offensive touchdowns. The Pats took their foot off the gas. Yeah, they only got to thirty, despite moving at will in the first half. Right, and then the fact that Brady was sat for a while. When do you ever see that? Right, right. So it speaks to me, and it's not even about your handicap. If anything, all I would say is, if I had to make one bet here, I would bet over on the Pats team total. If I had to make one bet. Because I actually think they get, they're going to show you things they haven't shown. This is a game they are going to show everything. So if we do assume, and I'm not saying, and that means I probably don't love your bet as I think it through. But it doesn't mean I hate it, right? I'm saying that I think that team, you know, I think the Pats. I probably like the Pats then in that theory. I just don't love it because I do think the Bills are a little underrated. When's the last time the Bills played a game at home where the winner would be in first place? Yeah, but they made the playoffs not that long ago. So, I mean, I think the crowd's going to be into it for sure. Is that the point? Uh, I'm just curious, actually. Yeah. Just or you there. think they might be? I think if it was a night game, the crowd would be a much bigger factor. Night game two weeks uh, remember, later. It's, it's Buffalo, man. They don't have much going for them. Yeah, but it's cold at least up there at night. 
Uh, yeah. But New England's New England. Loud and cold. and Yeah, but New England's not going to be bothered by the cold. Right. Well, let me ask you, the team total for New England be 24 and a half. Okay. Would you prefer the first half, New England, over 13? Now, what's your rationale? Well, the idea that we don't expect New England to, like, put their foot on the gas in the second half. Except when you're laying, I mean, I guess in theory if they're up 17 nothing or something, that yeah. would come into effect. But if the Bills get any points, this game's too competitive to yeah. worry about that, right? I think they, you know, so. But, again, I... All I know is this, Lombardi, Mike Lombardi. Now, listen, he's got a niche audience, but he really knows his stuff, in my opinion. And, you know, he goes deep with the hardcore. I, I love his pod. And he in, in his athletic article, which I think he does a bi-weekly there, if I'm not, yes, as I think about it. He, his son's now coaching on the Pats. So he, him and Belichick are like borderline, I don't know if they're best friends, but... Like if Belichick had five people at his bachelor party, Lombardi would be one of them. I can tell, at least I think I can, when he's telling us something he's not supposed to be telling us, but he's not really telling us, right? And I can do that with Colin, too, which is Colin's been told something by a coach or something, and I can tell the way he's – it's almost like when Fez has a pick in college that's a syndicate pick, one of his trades, he doesn't have any handicap on it. But he'll be, like, so confident. Like, okay, he's good. And I'm right about that most of the time, wouldn't you say, Fed? Yeah, because my guys give me the pick, and it's a black box. They won't tell me why. Well, exactly. But you know it's a good side. Lombardi's talking about these Pats like they're the best team since the undefeated team. But he's trying not to overdo it. So, to me, there's a huge amount of optimism in the building. And, again, I don't think Belichick's known for irrational exuberance. So I'm thinking they're better than even we think. You know, we'll see. So I'm not looking to fade them. I would lean towards your under, but I do think the Pats maybe are a little underrated on offense. Because, again, Fez, you just said Brady is what on your list? Two. So how are they an average or slightly above average offense? Their O-line's been banged up. That's the thing. That O-line's going to be healthy. Yeah, they're an above average offense. I mean, how many offenses do you clearly rank above them? I mean, is it more than seven, eight? No, Kansas City and the Rams, I would. Well, you know, I don't know. The Rams. Rams. The Rams is an asterisk right now. Dallas, certainly, right now. Yeah, it's a short list. So, I mean, we're talking about the maybe the second, third best defense and the fifth or sixth best offense. Oh, we're talking about, I think, the best defense right now. Them and the the Bears, maybe. Okay, the Bears. I'm not saying the stats aren't the best. I'm saying the the Bears right now. Yeah, you're right. Right? And then we're going to come up with Green Bay here in a minute. Any closing thoughts? All right, next game. Oh, oh, last thing on this game, Esler's with a pick. So, oh, he likes the Bills. Man, maybe I should go against him on. I can't unless I come, but mm, let's listen in and see what he thinks. Sunday afternoon, the Buffalo Bills plus a touchdown over the Patriots. I know, I know, but what have the Patriots done? Beat a team they had months to prep for, beat Miami, beat the Jets. What have the Bills done? Won two road games, great comeback win against Cincinnati. Patriots are not the same team on the road. Last year, 3-5 and five on the road, wins over the Jets, the Bills, and the Bears, who they allowed 31 points to. Buffalo was a 500 team at home last year, and two of their four losses were without Josh Allen. Brady versus Buffalo the last two years, three TDs, four interceptions. David Andrews out, Isaiah Wynn out, Hightower questionable, Michelle isn't making people miss, Edelman questionable. Bills defense, yards per play against, Third in the league. 
Patriots at first, but again, they played an injured band, a combination of Rosen, Fitzpatrick, and Luke Falk. It's the Bills game of the year. There's no way New England goes to Orchard Park and rolls Buffalo. I'll take Bills Mafia plus the touchdown. 3-2-1, insert, 3-2-1. Yeah, I tell you, I, I don't bet against Belichick, but as you know, Maddie, don't tussle with Dave Astler. I'm trying to make up with him now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really is. He he is that outsider's perspective that I love, love, love. Okay, next game, Titans, Falcons. I don't have much on this myself. Titans after the first game, I mean, you know, they just look great. And now we look back and say the Browns are the Browns. And since then, Titans haven't looked good. I got sucked in with them. I think, Maddie, you had them as your favorite pick in week two, correct? They were laying three, if I recall. Uh, I did use them. Yeah, yeah. Because so. the contest was three, and no, the no, real no, line was like three and a half. No, four. so we got sucked yeah. into that one, and I liked them too in that spot. And, man, they haven't looked good. But the Falcons, a bunch of turnovers. To me, you can't be a team second most penalties in the entire NFL, and Quinn is favored to be the first coach fired. Yeah. I mean, you could say that's intensity, but when you're at the end of a long run like this, sometimes it's almost like we know it's going to happen, you know, no use fighting it too much with the players more. Fez, what do you think? Yeah, so I lean to Atlanta. You know, I see that minus four turnovers, and I see that great YPP where they're plus one, 6.1 on offense, 5.1 on defense. Let me ask you a question. When a team underperforms their YPP like four or five years in a row, what point do you start taking that? As a fact. Yeah, it's a great point. Is it um, randomly being unlucky or is there something else going on? Is it bad red zone, which certainly Atlanta did have for years, being unable to score, kept trying to throw it, these alley-oops to Julio Jones in the end zone. Um, but I, I'll tell you this. I don't like the Titans. I don't like what I'm seeing from Mariota, who absolutely it just doesn't seem to be able to handle the pressure. He's been sacked more than any quarterback in the league. And I don't even know if Mariota's 100%. He's had that, um, I believe, quad issue. Yeah, when's he ever been 100%? He's never 100%. So here's what we know. The Falcons are going to have a better YPP than scoreboard, and Mariota is going to have an injury. Agreed. And Atlanta just looks – they certainly, by my numbers, look light minus four. Maddie, No real opinion on the game. The only thing we always talk about is how, you know, turnovers are so random in the NFL. And while fumbles might be, I think what we're learning more and more in a passing league is that interceptions aren't always well, random. I, certainly not from the offensive side, but you think from the defensive side? No, from the offensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, Matt Ryan's going to be in the top three in interceptions thrown, period, and it's not because randomly I'm that may happen. And so is Winston, luckily for me in our bet. Uh, we'll see. Ah! He's up to like nine or something. No, he? week two he had zero. <laughs> okay, but he had a he, he had at least one, so he's up to four. And I think our over under is like eight and a half. I can't. No, it was like sixteen. Or no, something. no, no, no. It was no, like no. one per game. You want to double the bet? No, I, I think the <laughs> average was one per game. <laughs> All right, I don't think we have much, but I love this game. And if it was ten, as it is in many of the markets now, it would have been my pick. Tampa Bay Bucks and your boy Winston. Plus 10. Now, I'm again, I'm hedging out in a way because I don't want interceptions this game, but if I get them, all the better. I'm going to make the following case that the NFL is making a humongous mistake when it comes to injuries 
And this girly example is the example. So we were at the Super Bowl last year. Fox Sports Radio had a big thing on Radio Row. It was great. It felt, you know, felt big time. Uh, got to interview Heinz Ward. Got to interview, you know, uh, I guess for me as a Steelers fan, that was special. And I was there, and I was the only person seemingly in the whole freaking place saying, how is it that Todd Gurley is obviously not 100%, but he's not on the injury report? No one seems to care. And maybe it's just because I have a, you know, at least a finance degree and somewhat of a background there. In the financial markets, you understand this, Maddie, as well as anyone. On compliance, this is fascinating. I hadn't really made the connection. There is no inside information if everyone knows everything. Correct. And if, if we use the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, as the guide, it's imperfect, but they do a pretty good job, you'd say, at least with enforcement. Now, who goes to jail and all that, we can debate that because I think more people probably should when there's billions at stake if they do things wrong. If you have – I mean, it, it, it's to the point where Elon Musk just sent a tweet and said, oh, if that's the case, you know, he's mad at something – because I'll just take him, take my company private. I got people lined up. They find him $20 million for that. But now we're having millions and millions being bet with the NFL team. How about billions and billions yes. being bet? And millions and millions being bet legally in a given week. I'm saying in a given game, let's say. not. Yeah. You know, I mean, billions on the Super Bowl. but No, billions, period. On a given game. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No so, game is doing I'm billions. saying this week's Rams games will have... You know, a hundred plus They're, million bet on it. No, I mean not legally across the globe. Le- yeah, across the United States, legally probably thirty-five million. Right, and keep, you know, million. and and some, you know, I think I would I would bet my biggest bet of the year. It's over two hundred million if you count everything. So hundreds of millions, and somehow Gurley's not on the injury report again. Now here's the numbers. I mean, we can debate or we can look at the numbers. Last year in the regular season. Receiving, which your athleticism means even more, 41 yards per game, Gurley. In the postseason, he played three games and had five yards receiving total. That is, uh, let me see, that's less than two. Yep, yep, yep. Less than two per game. Two yards. In the regular season this year, eight yards in three games. So six games, 13 yards. Hmm. 41 yards a game. Yeah, he's fine. Everything's fine. Come on. And we've got some sound here. And if you listen to it, it's fascinating. Two clips from First Things First. I'll tell you right now, that show has the most X's and O's talk. I don't know. You ever catch that on YouTube? I I don't see it too much. It's early, right? So I watch it on YouTube. But, and again, I think Nick Wright, very intelligent. I very rarely think he's just making stupid comments or I don't know if ever, but oftentimes just things don't make sense to me that people say, and they almost always do, which I respect that with Nick. First off, though, it's Mangini. Some call him Mangenius before he turned in Belichick, and he's never worked in the NFL. <laughs> it was like pretty much he turned in Belichick for Spygate. He had one more crack, and no one will hire Like No one will even hire him as an assistant. Doesn't that seem weird? Uh, yeah. He's a guy that was called a genius, though. He's talking about Gurley. It's the same segment, and he's talking 
And you hear the music will actually separate the two. They're about 10 seconds each. And they're completely contradictory. It's almost like he forgot what the party line is, what the NFL line is. Listen. They're incorporating Malcolm Brown more into the mix, which I think is actually a good idea. It's a long season. If he is still coming off an injury, the ability to split the carries a little bit more evenly, as long as you're not sacrificing production, you have a chance now later in the season for that back to be fresher. That may be some of it for Todd Gurley, is understanding that there's always going to be pain because it is a degenerative knee, and how much pain can you deal with? Wait a minute. Are we uncertain that he has an injury, or does he have a degenerative knee? That seems pretty contradictory. If it was a month apart, you would wonder. It was the same segment. Faz, what do you think? If you have a degenerative knee, you definitely have an injury. Yeah, well, obviously. But what I'm saying is he's tr- – he's, yeah, and, and, and the fact he's saying both means that he kind of has heard through the grapevine what's really going on, but he's saying, well, we can't really know – because why? The Rams don't have him on the injury report. The Rams aren't talking about it. They're trying to hide it. Chris Carter said this, and again, a very short clip, even more staunchly. When was the last time you seen Todd Gurley run an explosive route down the seam, down the football field the way he used to do the previous three seasons? No. I think Todd Gurley is damaged goods. I think that the Rams are doing the best job to spin this as much as possible There is no other running back that is his age that's on some type of pitch count. Now, there's some truth for us. There's some truth. And if Gurley is limited in the way that it seems for the season, Faz, how can't the Rams be overrated on offense? Because Goff, without the threat of hard play-action fakes, is not near the same quarterback. Yeah, that's... um... Absolutely conclusive, and that's a big reason why the Rams declined so much on offense at the end of last year. Except you have the Rams as ranked what? I entered the year in SOV. I said the Rams are overrated. You said, oh, no, 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 no. So you've come around. Why the Rams is the third best team. I said the Rams are overrated. You said no. They are overrated. They're th- and they're 3-0 and straight up and against the spread, and there's reasons that we would expect that they're not going to continue to perform well. Another limitation with Goff, he struggles with cold weather. The right? Bears game, right? Yeah. I mean, well, it's been multiple games going back to him in college. And then you think about on the road. They don't have a great home field, but he's a disaster on the road. Remember, home field is two things. It's removing the impediments of the road, and it's adding the advantages of home. Goff maybe doesn't have a ton of advantages at home because the Rams, I think, have a small home field. But on the road, he is not good. Yeah, he's not good. The team makes up for it. I think that the team's 16-3 and three straight up on the road, but it's not golf. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is effectively, if you don't have Gurley, if Gurley is even in uh, the 20th best back, he was the top three back when we made all these assumptions. If he's the 20th, which I don't think he is, but let's say he is, and Goff isn't a franchise quarterback, but he's the 12th best, then what? The Rams' O-line isn't great. What is great? Really good wide receivers. Yeah, okay. And then what? That's Aaron it. Donald. And how good are they that Cup went out and supposedly killed him? <laughs> One guy. He's not T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> so I think the defense is better than we expected. Congrats. But net net, they think it's a great offense, a good defense. No, no, no. I think it's a good at best offense in certain spots, a really good defense. 
And I think the Cowboys might be better than them. And what I know is Tampa Bay, I don't think they're giving up on Bruce Aarons already. Thus, I think that loss last week, the chip shot, the delay of game stuff, if it does anything, it motivates them this week. And when is Winston problematic? And this is actually something that might help Maddie on his bat. Everyone I or two people I trust that watch the game said, Tampa was so scared of Winston throwing an interception late that they got conservative in a way that even led to the field goal. That it wasn't just they got mm. stopped. It's like they weren't calling normal NFL plays in that spot, figuring, hey, we can make this field goal. Winston throws an interception at any time. Who knows? But if you're plus 10, and that's the market, at least you can. You know, it's a very reasonable line to get. There's some nine and a halfs out there. Nine and a half in the contest, which is tough. That's why my second best bet of the week is a bonus one, is Tampa, because Winston and Tampa's limitations don't really mean much at plus 10. They mean a lot in tighter games. Thoughts? Yeah, I like it, RJ. One more reason to like Tampa. Let me talk about Mike Evans. He's one of those guys, those five guys, that's worth one and a half to the point spread non-quarterbacks. It's, it's six now. You forgot. You added. I uh, Oh, I, forgot. I added Julio Jones. <laughs> I did. You got to keep up with the Fez machinations. Or Fez has been up for him since 5 a.m. He's paid Or the Fez. cowboy boots, cowboy oh. hat, walks around. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that hat. one. Go ahead. Lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, Mike Evans. So, so Mike Evans had a terrible game week one. Only two catches, 28 yards, and he had a really bad illness. So he had a case. I don't know if it was a stomach flu or what it was, but um, – a lot of the Sharps were fading him big time in that game. They got word of that. And then he had to wheel back and play on Thursday right after the Sunday. And he was on the injury report as still being ill. He played. He didn't have a good game then as well. Four catches, 61 yards. Well, he's back. Eight catches, 190 week three. So we're always looking for minimal edges here with what we're doing. But there's a little concerns about Mike Evans' production the first two weeks. I think it was because of that early season illness. Or it could be Winston. Or it could be Wilson. <laughs> Thoughts, Matty? I like Tampa. I mean, I, I've been on them. I've been pretty heavy on Tampa all year, so I'm, I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon now. Um, I, I think maybe we missed the boat. It's mostly nine. Yeah, I, I just looked. Well, up I, I mean, it's certainly and, not. I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to say is they've been like disappearing literally as we since we started the show. Well, that's a good sign. It is a good sign. I mean, I mean, I guess we want to get the ten. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I, there's still some out there that are a little tougher to get, but. Um, you know, I definitely don't want to lay it with the Rams. Yeah. I'm not as down as golf as everybody, though. I actually thought um, that his accuracy looked okay, that his arm looks okay. Oh, his arm's elite. I mean, yeah. Colin loves him, right? To me, Colin looks at every player like they're still a prospect. Like, well, how tall is he? At some point, it's got to be how you do on the field, right? And golf has certainly done you know, more than okay. And, yeah. and McVeigh knows more than we do, and he signed him. But what was the alternative? All right, that's the question. Like you don't, no one comes on the market these quarterbacks, do they? No, my I mean, opi- cousins did. Yeah, no, I was just trying to, you know, emphasize that my opinion on this game was more pro Tampa than negative um, Rams. Up next, Fez's, and we're going to hear our girl Blossom his derivative bet. But first, our one and only commercial break. <laughs> Hey, college football fans, need to brush up on your football knowledge? Then enroll in Dos Equis College Football College, where you'll learn from brilliant football minds like Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, 
Katie Nolan, and John Bagan, the man who wrote the book on college football. Now, this is going to help you in every football argument this season, and you could even enter for a chance to win tickets to the 2020, some would say 2020, College Football Playoff National Championship. So be the first in your family to earn a football washing certificate from a beer school. Enroll at Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com slash edu. Dos Equis, keep it interessante. Dos Equis beer brands. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019. Dos Equis beer brands. No purchase necessary. 50 U.S. states plus D.C. 21 plus only. Got to enter by 12-2019. Full rules available at dosequis.com slash edu. Okay, guys. Thursday night football. Amazon Prime members. Did you know Thursday Night Football is on Amazon Prime? It's a third season of it. You can catch all the action on your TV, the web, or your mobile device anywhere in the world. And the experience is, quote, unquote, next level. They've got the Prime Video's X-Ray feature. You can assess next-gen stats, play history, team information. It's available on iOS, Android, Fire Tablets, Fire TV. And if you're ready to hear a new take on the game, you can switch over to sports broadcasting legends Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer for play-by-play. Imagine me as an announcer. I'd go off like, it's like, we got to cut the commercial. If you don't have cable or you want to experience the future of football, tune in this Thursday. Coverage begins 7 o'clock Eastern p.m. Kickoff 820. Also available on Fox, NFL Network, simulcast, subject to change. Thursday Night Football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. Okay, bad DSI. Now listen, you heard these picks. And you know something? Do you ever notice the way that we fight over half points? And you might think, oh yeah, you guys in Vegas. Listen, it's all it is is an accumulation of half points. That's the battle. And battle sounds like it's tough. It sounds like it's dangerous. And there's a lot of ways that if I, I'll be candid with you. As serious as I am as a batter, as a CEO, as a businessman, I don't get to spend all the time like Fez does. And thus, there's times I won't play a game. Now, what I'll usually do is not play a game because I'm not getting the best of it. So literally, you could say, if you're not getting the best of it, if you could at bet DSI have a number that is the better number, what you might do, what the average batter does is still bet at the bad number. Ooh. That's how you lose. You certainly are going to not do as well. What I end up doing is not playing it because I can't stand the idea that there's a better number I'm not getting. And thus I don't play, so it limits my action. So you either are going to take the worst of it or limit your action or make sure you have at least three outs. If you have three, you know the value, so you know the value of more. It's diminishing returns, but it's still valuable. But if you have less than three... It's an imperative. Doesn't have to be bad DSI, but obviously it helps us. And obviously bad DSI has made a big commitment to Podcast One and to their long-term future. So it's baddsi.com. Promo code BELL101. Back to the show. (laughs) 
All right, baby, finishing strong, finishing strong. Let's do it, Fezzy. Derivative. Don't know about the people. Don't step on boss. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go, Fez, go. Derivative bet. We're going to play Seattle minus three in the first half, minus a dollar 15. Last time I checked, why am I betting Seattle for the first half and not the game? Arizona has a unique offense. They are snapping the ball every 22 and a half seconds, fastest in the NFL, and defenses are wearing out. And because of that, Arizona's mm. having great success late in the game. We saw that against the Detroit Lions. If you look at the first half versus the second half, Arizona's getting outscored in the first half on average by 10 points, and they've actually outscored their opponents on average in the second half. So I think you could make money simply by betting against Arizona in the first half and then looking to selectively back them in the second so half. So here's why I, I don't understand this, Matt. You might be able to answer it real quick. Why don't they put up second-half NFL before the game? You can bet third and fourth quarters. Yeah, but they won't let you bet the half most of the time. No, Circa was doing it in college, right? Yeah, some yeah. places are starting to offer it. And the fact that you could bet third and fourth quarters, it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But I guess you could just blend the bet, right? How would you I mean, do that? Let's say I want, like, because I actually like Arizona in the second half more than I like Seattle. Because I think Seattle is the most overrated team in the NFL. I really do. I'm just trying to find a spot to play against them. The fact that at home that that uh, Seattle, under their current coach, had never lost a game at home in September. Okay? Now think about that a second. And then they let a backup quarterback come in. And then you look at that Pittsburgh win. In hindsight, Pittsburgh's without Big Ben – I mean, that wasn't all that impressive. I mean, what the hell has Seattle done? Uh, I mean, the Bengals almost beat them. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. So to summarize, they never lose at home in September, mm-hmm. and they should have lost twice. I mean, against the Bengals. And a, and a Saints team with no A backup quarterback. Yeah. So I'm telling you, I, I think Seattle could win five games this year. I really do. And... But I think your handicap on the first second half is beautiful. So I don't know. No, go ahead. I don't want to completely disagree with it, but they got outscored 24 to 10 in the second half in their last game. And just because they got a backdoor against Baltimore, the Ravens didn't seem. Remember against Detroit, too, though. The Ravens didn't seem gassed in that one last. They seemed like the game was done at that point. And in the first game, I thought it was Detroit mistakes more than fatigue. Oh, I, I, I just horrible timeout by the offensive coordinator and uh, an offense that went from too way too vanilla with a big lead. Arizona and, still would have comfortably. Did Arizona the, the seem like half. the fresher team last game with for you at home getting outscored 24 10? You know something in a weird way it doesn't matter, meaning I think it's clear. I mean, if you just look and again, maybe well, this is just flugy. And that if you just look at the net margin for Arizona first half and second half, there's a big difference. Would we agree? No, with that? I don't think there is. It's three games on the season. And in the last game, they got outscored by 14. The first game, they outscored them by 18. So that's four. So, Fez, what's the numbers on this? Yeah, so they've been outscored, um, Arizona, by 9.67 um, in, the, in the games. And in the... I'm sorry, in the first half, it's 9.67. And the average in the games is eight. So Arizona has outscored their opponents by 1.67 in the second half. Okay, so, I mean, it's a significant swing. And it's only three games. Yeah. But here's the thing. 
and I know this is going to sound square, but I don't think it is. Let's say that half the time that's BS and half the time there's something to it. If you like Arizona anyway, let's say, why not play it in the second half? Because the half the time, what have you lost? Well, you're not playing any more VIG, but what you lost is that if you're right about the handicap, only having half the game hurts you because you have half as much time to exert the truth of your handicap, right? But if you're even right half the time, there's something to it, you've got the better bet half the time, which I think is bigger than only betting a half where there's no factor in what you're saying. Rather, it's just the Mm -hmm. truth of your handicap otherwise about Seattle's, or in this case, I think Arizona is the bet. So does that make, does anyone object? So is the, does anyone want to give uh, Seattle pick them in the second half? (laughs) So you're saying, you're saying you like your opinion so much. You want some extreme crazy line. How about the lines four and a half? How about Arizona two and a half? Remember the rule that you're not allowed to negotiate (laughs) lines because it is about boring. We don't have one. I I will, I will happily take care. I heard an offer and what was the offer? I, I, I was I, I heard I was offered Jeez, Arizona dude. plus two and a half second half and I will happily take that. Got it. All right. So Fez, what do you what would you guess the second half is gonna be? Two and a half. It depends what the first half score Obviously, is. Yes. That's, two, two, two. So what I'm saying is is right now they're putting third and fourth quarters for a reason. They're saying all things equal. Yeah. It could be this, it could be that, based on the spread, here's the distribution. And you would expect two. Yes. So you're getting two and a half. You're getting a half a point. Yes. Think. Hmm. You scared? I offered it. I'm the one that made the bet. Yeah, but when Fez takes it is when you have to reevaluate. Uh, come on. So if what's, you want what's the bet? I bet Arizona plus two and a half in the second half. Because they outscored them, but they got outscored by 14 in the second half last game. Ship it. At home. <laughs> woo I love it. We're baiting right. them. Baiting them. One game they outscored <laughs> someone by 18, but last game they got outscored by no, no, 14, I, but let's ignore that. No, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I think there's a real chance. Just because of that handicap, I had to make the bet. I think there's a real chance, but you didn't hear what I said. I said there's a real chance this is BS, but I like it anyway, meaning I like uh, Arizona in the game. And thus, if, even, yeah, is if a you 50- like Arizona in the game, then you're probably getting that. And plus, we're getting a half a point because Fez knows mm-hmm. these numbers. And for all those listeners out there that want to get down, if they like this handicap, you could just bet Arizona fourth quarter. That's when the fatigue should kick in the very I don't most. believe the fatigue at all. Mm. Yes. I don't know anything. I don't, which part. I, mean, we're, I don't try to guess what's happening. I just look at the, what's happening. Right. I think part of it. They too, tried that with Chip Kelly, remember? It, stink, it stunk at Philly. It yeah. stinks at UCLA yeah. now. That crap is you done. You know something? I'm a little worried about my bet all of a sudden. Because the more I think about this, the more I think it's probably – in a prevent D, he hasn't done well in the second half when they haven't trailed. But I guess it doesn't matter as long as they're not trailing. I hope the trailing starts happening in the first half. I <laughs> yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, you, you hope for me to win my first half bet. Also, he's better against prevent defenses. Like more than other, yeah. the difference hey, seems to be who's big. not. <laughs> yeah, but even more so. It Man, seems. they looked really good the first game. Stuck 18 in the fourth. <laughs> yeah, well, well listen. Yeah. All right. But, hey, listen. If, you wouldn't make the bet if it was obvious the yeah, other of way. Course. That's yeah. the whole point. If we want to pick on Brad Powers, we'd have Brad Powers. <laughs> Except he won the NFL last year. I know. I don't, that's and I amazing. won the college. You want to talk about a small sample size. All right, Vikings, Bears. Oh, Fez, a monstrous bad decision from Fez. We ranked the best NFC teams on straight out of Vegas. 
He had the Vikings third. Crazy. Make your case. In the whole NFL? No, third in the NFC. NFC. Love, love what the Vikings are so doing. So he had Green, above Green Bay. Which I agree with. Mm, okay. Above, uh, well, we had the lit. What was the other? Um, it had to be Dallas, Rams, Minnesota. Yeah. 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 Well, where my main objection was, let me think. I think Green Bay, if Green Bay's offense, I don't think Aaron Rodgers became horrible. So let's assume Green Bay becomes the 10th, 11th best offense. And we'll talk about this. Their D seems like they're for real. I mean, they really do. I like, like Bill Barnwell, again, said he thinks Green Bay could have the best defense in the NFL. He is not one to jump to conclusions. Uh, I'd love to throw the challenge flag on that. No, I hear you. I hear you. But even if they're fifth or sixth, you know, if it's Aaron Rodgers on one side. Do you want – so what are we calling the best defense? I mean, like defensive efficiency? Oh, way? well, I mean, that's a whole other debate. Yeah, because, I mean, I'd happily give someone 10 to 1 that they don't have the best, the best defense. This season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – I'm not saying I think they have the best. I tell you this, you give me an oh, – so what is that – what over-under would you give me? Like, would you give me over-under 9 No, I just – I'm saying they won't oh. be the best. So you're saying you want a situation where you win – Almost every time, and when you lose, you disappear. <laughs> Where's Maddie? I don't know. Yeah, we haven't seen him around lately. Go ahead, Fez. Make your case. Oh, All love right. That. Love what Minnesota's doing with the ground game. Dalvin Cook, a running back who has oftentimes been injured during his career, not been 100% quite a bit of his career. Now he looks to be fully 100% breaking tackles. And what's most amazing about what the Vikings are doing is that the defenses know that they're going to be running the ball. They're running the ball, what is it, a little over two-thirds of the time yes. year to date, and yet the Vikings are 5.6 yards per rush. Number one in the NFL when your opponent knows it's coming. That is super impressive. Um, all the metrics say Minnesota's a really good team in terms of the YPP differentials and the like. And i got to tell you, I think on the flip side, the Bears, they're a team I had identified as being overrated coming in. They won 12 games last year. Well, they had the easiest schedule in the NFL last year. They third-best turnover differential, which is largely unpredictive, and they were the third-least-injured team the Bears were. So everything went right for the Bears last year. I don't expect that to continue. And frankly, I think that this Bears Monday Night Football laugher victory at Washington sets them up here a little bit where they have a short work week and they're a little bit overrated based upon a blowout win that was more about the Redskins, in my opinion, than the Bears. I couldn't agree more, and and this is one of those. Look, if I was a better here, man, I wish I would have been awake when this thing opened at three and a half in town and three, because oh my goodness, did it drop fast! I, I like Minnesota here as well. They should have won that second game at Green Bay. They got off to that terrible start. It was all Viking second half. The Green Bay didn't score in the second half, and Minnesota was driving the football at will. If Kirk Cousins doesn't throw that ridiculous interception off his back foot, Minnesota probably wins in Green Bay as well. So if Kirk Cousins isn't Kirk Cousins. Correct. But what I do like here is I think that Chicago Bears defense is built to rush the passer. And in this case, you know, they may be running right past Dalvin Cook. They're not necessarily built to stop the run. Who is in the NFL anymore? Your defenses are built around, you know, your secondary and your pass rush. But all of a sudden... You know, a team like Minnesota can nullify it. I, I actually like the Vikings uh, in this spot myself. What should the line be on this? Because Fez, last to miss on the radio, he was back in the corner. He goes, well, pick them. 
No, I think like Chicago one. Chicago one and a half. And the line's two. It's down to two now. But that's where the problem is. This was three and a half. And, I know. And so anyone who looked at it at three and a half went, oh, my God, Vikings three and a half. And now you don't suddenly like the Bears because it dropped a half. There's some disappointment that no, you lost the number. Dropped one and a half. Yeah. I mean, after two. It was two and a half even when we started the show. And now it's already, two, well, it's two, two and a half, depending. It's yeah. half and a so half. I, I guess what I'm saying is the value's gone. I could see not wanting to play the Bears. I can't imagine yeah, the, the Vikings just, at this point. Yeah, it's dropping. You can tease the Vikings. You get that advantage teaser from two up to eight. Love it. Yeah. Here's the problem, RJ. I need something to tease it with. And I'm struggling to find something I like. Well, you mean by struggling, there's no other advantage teasers that you can just do blind? No, yeah. there is an advantage teaser. The Saints against the Cowboys. And I actually am going to make a case why I really don't want to tease the Saints. Mm, now, that's going to be interesting. Sorry, I'm eating some nuts. Vez, why don't you host the next the next um I'm gonna eat some nuts. So so RJ's gonna eat some nuts and I'm gonna go ahead and host the Jacksonville Denver Peanuts. Game. Denver currently laying minus three, lay a dollar twenty five. You know, I wonder this line was three and it's gone up a little bit. There's an uncertainty about is Jalen Ramsey gonna play for Jacksonville. So early in the week, oh illness. Now we hear about a hamstring tightness, or maybe it's a lower back. The bottom line is that it appears Jalen Ramsey, who wants to be traded, might be looking to call in sick for this game, and it's not clear whether he's going to play or not. And since he's worth about a half point to the line, the movement in the betting marketplace might indicate that betters feel he's not going to play in this game. That would explain this line move up to three and a half. You know, frankly, I don't have a lot on this game. I know that Denver's 0-3. Desperate for a win, so I think it's a good spot for the Broncos. But I do have Jacksonville a half point better in my power ratings. I've been impressed with Gordon Minshew, who came in out of Washington State. And my biggest question about Gordon Minshew, (laughs) wow, he just didn't seem to be throwing the ball down the field in weeks one and two. He answered that question last week when he was throwing the ball downfield despite an often driving rain. I was very impressed by what Minshew did last week. I like all the Washington State quarterbacks and how they throw the football and how they're so accustomed coming out of that offense at getting the ball out quickly that they rarely get sacked, that avoids strip sack fumbles. But isn't these the type of offenses in the Big 12 back in the day with Leach that always had failed quarterbacks, it seemed? I'm talking to Washington State Leach quarterback. Yeah, but Leach was part of the whole Texas Tech sure. and Big 12 revolution with the you know the air raid and all that. And what I'm saying is, historically, those quarterbacks have underperformed. And obviously, you got Baker Mayfield. Now, we can question how he's doing this year. But uh, it, it feels like there's been a change in that maybe the NFL offense have become more like them. So that's what matters is how a quarterback can do that. That is a dream music point. You know that? I appreciate that one, but I think we can do better. Because the NFL has, it's the NFL that's changed, not necessarily these quarterbacks that the offenses now yeah. are catering to these quarterbacks. But, Maddie, amongst the ones, uh, the faster-paced offenses, the, the uh, spread principles, you like the leech offense for NFL quarterbacks. At Washington State, especially. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of the interesting things, again, you would look at these injury reports. Miles Jack officially listed as questionable. That concussion was last game that he had to leave. So no one plays the next game, really, with a concussion. So expect that their best linebacker, Miles Jack, will probably be missing this game. Okay, interesting. Um, I got to wonder. It's To me, it's all motivation. 
I've Den- has Denver given up? Flacco looks horrible. Elway's getting heat, but he's Elway, so in a way, maybe he is, maybe he's not. Any heat that matters. And then Minshew, name me, other than Tom Brady, who has been a quarterback that succeeded in the NFL since 2010, modern year, let's call it, that was drafted in the sixth, fifth round, sixth round, or undrafted. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, Mullins probably had the best season ever for an undrafted player. He's on the bench. I mean, Tom Brady was a hey, other than Tom rounder. Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I said other than Tom Brady to start. That's why I'm glad Maddie said oh. that. <laughs> no, I think he I, I, he was being sarcastic, right. I think. So all I'm saying is it doesn't mean he can't have some good games. Marlins had a heck of a year. Like, all I'm saying is, in general, if we don't believe he's actually a good quarterback, we're kind of hoping that the, uh, the floor doesn't fall out this game. Because <laughs> right? it's going to, at some point, history tells us, right? Yes. But you do like his stash, Fess. Oh, I love that stash. It's looking better every week. You know what's interesting is he talked about uh, Arizona and how fast they play and how it wears teams down, but they haven't won a game. Here we have just the opposite. Denver, the slowest pace of play in the entire NFL, and they haven't won a game. And maybe that's why they have zero sacks. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Chubb. How can you be have such a good edge rushers and have no sacks, RJ? How's it possible? I don't, and then you brought in Vic... And and a defensive minded coach. Remember what was the line? It was uh, it was it was in Oakland, and the Raiders were what seven in that plus seven against Denver. I'm, no, it no, was it was three and a three, half. Oh, three and a half. Okay. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah. But still, what would the line be? To, so that was saying that the six and a half points better. Denver was. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Now I've got the teams two and a half apart on a neutral. So you still got Denver high. I, I got people. Where you got Denver? I, I've heard people talking Denver like twenty nine thirty. Are we sure Denver's better than Washington? Oh yeah. No, yeah. no I know you are because you're looking at your ratings and reading them like a monkey would. I mean, I get it. You think that? <laughs> I'm so blown away in 2019 that any offense can operate that slowly. Their pace of play is un. We're going to see by the end of the year. You're going to see Denver totals against bad teams at like thirty three again. Because their offense is so slow. The amount of plays they run per game is is just amazingly low. Am I allowed to push the button on that? Well, oh, I, it's kind of hard to do. I, I guess if, I'll give one offer. Will Denver have one line below 34 and a half? Will you both take that back? Uh, hold on. Let me see what their schedule looks like. All right, hold on. So we says both yes. have to. Okay. says yes. All right. Let me see real quick. I should have held back. I am not uh, a negotiator. So that probably means that they don't play the Jets or Miami. Oh, he doesn't know. He got excited like a monkey with a banana. Uh, <laughs> it's like, do you think, are we sure? He looks at his guy. Well, yeah, I got him uh, ranked. It's like, we know that part. I'm out. All right, fast. No Miami, no Jets. Next game, Cowboys, Saints. Cowboys on the road, favored by two and a half, moving towards three. Fast. So we talked about should we be teasing the Saints in this game, the basic strategy, two and a half to eight and a half. Let me make the case for why I'm not going to tease the Saints, even though I have no opinion on this game. And if I have no opinion, frankly, I'm typically looking to just blindly tease a two and a half up to eight and a half. I think this is a very high variance game. Why? Teddy Bridgewater. I am not sure how good a quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is, but I believe that he isn't very good. 
and we look at his last three starts, none of his stats are um, even at average in terms of yards per attempt, but his very last start, Teddy actually— Last three regular season starts? Last three regular season starts. So, so we're going back years here, right? Because uh, he has one start this year. He had the Week 17. Oh, last year. Yeah, yeah. We had so that, that's remember. one. Yeah, well, and then where's the other? Memory. Where's the third start in that three last three starts? Are you talking about when he did mop up against the Rams? Yes. No, no, you yes. said last three starts. Oh, I misspoke. Oh. Screw it up. I was trying to think in my head when the no, last no. one was. But remember, and I'm not saying this matters as much, but he was his yards per attempt, bridge one of the preseason this year were horrible. Terrible, yeah. yeah. So how many starts does he have with Saints? I'm not saying that it matters. Two? Two. That's right, yeah. ever, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Bridgewater was played a workmanlike game against Seattle, but Seattle gave up a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. Yeah. The Saints had double-digit leads throughout the game, and so he could be very careful with the ball. And because of that, I don't think we learned very much. So here's a game against the Cowboys where he absolutely might be put into a yeah, position. Yeah, but I'm confused. If, if the game was very competitive... That's not like having a big lead. You're saying even in a competitive game, he gets to be careful. It wasn't competitive. Seattle was getting blown out most of the game. Seattle got two fourth-quarter late touchdowns to cut the lead to six. Saints okay, had a right. big lead throughout the game. All right. Yeah, they were whipping them. They were getting scores all kinds of different way. A punt return touchdown, a fumble return touchdown. That game was crazy. I agree with what you're saying, except I have the different conclusion. It shows you that Sean Payton understands he can't have – I think if they're down 10, I'm not sure if he doesn't accept the loss to some degree because they won last week instead of breaking Bridgewater's confidence. I, I don't think there's any scenario he puts Bridgewater in a horrible spot. You know what makes Sean me Payne. nervous about it is, look, you know what finally happened last week? They got the ball to Alvin Kamara a whole bunch. And boy, did he look good. He had almost 100 yards receiving out of the backfield to go along with however many rushing yards he had. I thought that was a real positive because the one problem I've seen out of Drew Brees a a little bit in that offense is kind of up and down the last 18 games is he tries to force the ball to Michael Thomas all the time now. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas. Why not? Alvin Kamara is a great playmaker, and I thought that Teddy did a good job of getting him the football. You know, it could be a blessing in disguise because Kamara is a guy that you want to have the uh, ball yeah, in space. Absolutely. Kamara is a beast and obviously better catching the ball than running the ball. Yeah. So it really comes down to if if we all think Bridgewater is limited, probably more so than the consensus opinion, why not bet the Cowboys? Because the Cowboys are a public team that's 3-0 and I mean, straight so up and against the spread. So, so I, I mean, you're saying we can't bet them because they win all the time. Meaning what I'm saying is... If all we're ever going to do is pat or, or fade or pass the Cowboys, that feels duct tape shoey to me. All right, I mean, there's Huey and there's duct tape mm-hmm. shoey. I mean, and, I got the Cowboys as one of my five this week. That's what I'm saying, Feds. You just are so robotic with this stuff. Maybe too robotic. Let me ask you a question. The uh, Saints stayed out west. They were in the state of Washington all week long. Do you think that that's a? I think it's a disadvantage in this game coming home after being away for a week. Except, what, where's our history on that? Meaning, if the theory is, see, it's funny how you act like, like if you're gone for a day and a half, you have to have special like story time <laughs> with the kid. You got to take the, by the wife a necklace and somehow a back rub. These are men. They're coming in saying, "Hey, I was gone for a uh, week." I'm on the road all the time, yeah. half the days of the month, and my wife probably 
I mean, you don't have to buy necklaces Nothing. and I, I don't have to call special. Jesus, Faz. She still loves you. me as much when I get home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, manages the house while I'm gone, feeds I'm, the pets. I'm coming back from the Super Bowl. I'm desperate. We're going to be late for a flight. I'm desperately, like, like buying, like, souvenirs for my wife from Atlanta. <laughs> wow. Women weaken legs. I mean, <laughs> at least he admits it. I mean, what can you really say? When he takes his masculinity Look, I love my wife and eviscerates it right on with hundreds yeah. of thousands of listeners. You just got to say, okay, I respect his honesty. <laughs> uh, and I don't think it's about being whipped No, no or I anything. think it is. I think it's, well, maybe in his case it is. <laughs> but I think in reality, to your point, people get accustomed to travel. My wife is, is accustomed to the well, fact that the I'm Well, then the NFL athletes would be. Of course. I agree. They are. Travel means less than it ever has in the history of, a, of sports betting. The gumas might be mad, right? But that kind of goes against your whole theory. What's a gumas? <laughs> I don't know either, actually. I don't it's know a, what that is either. It's a, an Italian phrase for uh, for mistress. Oh. Like Tony Soprano. Okay. And then the really cool people just say goom so that they're so cool with it. It's like, oh, yeah, my goom, I got my goom. You know, so not that that's me. Yeah, I'm I don't just, have any goom. <laughs> I'm happily married. <laughs> but I think I'm a no goomer. I, I, <laughs> I think a few of these uh players might though. I'm just Could be. I'm just it's possible. I'd like to think that they're all wholesome family men like myself <laughs> and Fez. You want to bet? I'll green button that one. No, I don't want to bet. All right. So other than Dallas is that, but see, I hate the Gallops out. I'll admit that I like Cowboys this week, but but Gallup was really flourishing as a great second option as receiver, and and that stinks that he's out. Yeah, here's my question though, Fez. It's one thing to say I expect before the line opens this line's inflated, but you tend to talk about things in the abstract that are tangible. What should the line be in this game? Yeah, it's right where my actually my power ratings make it too. So, okay, so. That means you think there's a little value in the Saints, and and you and your numbers are accounting for Bridgewater's limitation. Meaning you, okay, then th- there you go. But it's it, and and that might explain why Dallas is moving towards three. Right? What do you got, Gallup worth? You know, I didn't even know who he was coming what? into the year. I know he was. I know he had five. Oh, he said coming into the year, he had five hundred yards. You know, last year, and now he's he's just been incredible you got you got to ask yourself should he be the number one you know yeah. and, and by the way uh, the number three wide receiver Tavon Austin's questionable also so cluster injuries Ooh. for the Cowboys and it's on a concussion so he's gonna miss right first do we week maybe, concussion do we maybe look at the under maybe you got a game I, manager and yeah. two key offensive weapons mm. missing what's our current number that's a good question let's check it out I'll get there all right so I'm gonna move the next game oh 47 Went up two points from opener. Really? Yeah, 45. What do you think, Fats? I would look under. All right, next game, Steelers. Bengals, Steelers at home. Oh, this is Monday Night Football. Steelers at home. And they're four-point favorites. Now, I'll quickly give the handicap I had last week. We covered, but I didn't, you know, considering the turnover margin, it wasn't a great cover uh, the way it went. Pittsburgh underperformed, I think. Here's my thought. They traded for Fitzpatrick, who looked good in the D backfield. Why would you trade your number one pick for the first time since the 60s unless you felt like the pick wasn't going to be as good as expectation, which meant Rudolph, we don't need our quarterback. We, uh, we got our quarterback was the message, I thought. If so, he hasn't shown yet. Rudolph, I thought, was a big disappointment. Worst of all the new starters last week. 
Mm, I think that's Wolf. pretty fair. Falk. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, Falk. He was better than Falk. I think so. Let's give it one more week so Falk <laughs> isn't pe- playing the Patriots. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, they have it behind the Packers, the second best probably. Oh, So, to me, the thing that keeps me off of the Bengals is I think they're under, or I think the Bengals are overrated still, amazingly. I just don't think the team's very good. And I think Pittsburgh, Tomlin is good in one spot. And I said this last week, so I'll say it quickly. Since Tomlin's been a coach in the NFL, when a team enters the game with a losing record, so it's a bad team in theory, they win 40% of their games. Tomlin in that time's had 28 games like that. He's a little under 70%. 40 versus 70. He motivates a losing team. With that draft choice, I don't think Pittsburgh gives up. It's Imagine if it would have been the second pick. What kind of heat they're going to take. They're not giving up. So I'm passing. I'm passing as well. I lean Cincinnati, but it's all about what I saw from Rudolph. I know they covered against the 49ers. And frankly, the team played really well. But I didn't like what I also saw from Rudolph. And the reason Pittsburgh covered... You know, they forced some of those turnovers, and Fitzpatrick— yeah, We're not going to get into that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I will say this. What I mean is is turnovers, we assume on defense, are mostly luck. Right, and I will say this. Fitzpatrick, he played a great game against the 49ers, so that definitely makes Pittsburgh a better team. Just lean Bengals. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Steelers have—it's funny. They're known as a team of drafting, but you think back to when they were in their heyday here 10 years ago— that they're, um, I'm forgetting his name. They called him Father Time, that middle linebacker that played years. Harrison? At, no, no. Harrison was the way Father Time, too, but he was a lesser known guy. But he was a real, um, he was a, re, he played like till he was 36. Uh, I, I can look it up as we're talking. But the um, Steelers have been, have augmented their defense, it seems, especially with free agent choices. You know, whereas it's like, oh, this guy isn't a big son. You know, no one got him the first pass. And and the idea now that they've got Harden from Cleveland, who, let's think about this. What was Harden? Num- like the number five, six, seven pick in the draft, right? And now you got Fitzpatrick was a high draft. Go ahead. Jack Lambert? No. <laughs> I Googled Steelers linebacker Father Time and James Harrison came out. Oh, that's interesting. Um. I, you know, he deserves it, right? But I, I'll find it as we're looking. It, the uh, uh, To me, if you look at it now, Fitzpatrick, a top 10 pick. Harden, a top 10 pick. Hayward, first round pick. Uh, Tewitt, second round pick. And then you look at uh, Watt, first round. I mean, this is a very pedigreed. I mean, it's both the Steelers' picks on defense and not cast-offs as much because Fitzpatrick obviously is not a cast-off. Harden was a financial decision for the Browns. Pittsburgh's got as much talent on defense as anyone. Question is, does it come together? I think the whole LeBeau system, the way the vertical passing game is now, that LeBeau system just doesn't work anymore. And Butler has changed it some, but it's still, he was under LeBeau a long time. I'm not sure he's the right DC at this point. Yeah, look, I, I, I lean... I like Cincinnati here, and the biggest problem for you me like is them. this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and and they they put in a new offense this year, so it's not like Mason Rudolph is taking over. This is a brand new offense. Period. We saw Big Ben struggle in this new offense. We saw Mason Rudolph struggle in this new offense. 
maybe this new offensive game plan under Tomlin just isn't working because nobody looks comfortable in it. And the one thing that was working in Rudolph's in the game against Seattle where he took over for Big Ben when he was hurt was throwing the ball to tight end Vance McDonald in the second half. Vance McDonald caught two touchdowns in the second half against Seattle and was obviously Mason Rudolph's favorite target. He's hurt this week with a shoulder injury. That doesn't help the youngster either behind center. I got to take the over a field goal spread with the Cincinnati Bengals. Faz, you got anything else? That's it. All right, last thought on Pittsburgh is, and uh, we got uh, we had these games a little out of order because of the best bets uh, that we, as they were projected. So we got, I think, two games left. Is um, one of them being Green Bay. Oh, no, no, I guess that's, uh, let me see what's next. One second. And then I'm going to tell you that last Pittsburgh point. One second. So we've got um, Chiefs-Lions. And then we got Chargers doll, but we did the Dolphins, so we got Chiefs Lions last left. The Lions, baby. But last thing, Pittsburgh just traded for Seattle's tight end today, and to me, the 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 tight end hurt for the Steelers. Who did they get today? One second, I'll pull that up. One second. Not Will Disley, was it? No, it actually Disley's the starter, and this was the second one. Oh. Um, Steelers trade for tight end. It is Nick Vanette, V-A-N-N-E-T-T. Yeah. Um, they'll get a fifth-round pick for it. Uh, McDonald is supposed to only miss a game or two, so which is showing you Pittsburgh keeps trying. This team just doesn't accept losing, which I, I do I don't like. Think that they're not trying. I just think he's going to miss this game. And yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not, I, I'm just saying as a, my theory about this was optimism trading away for Fitzpatrick. Because think about it, in theory, you're getting them for one of the years. It doesn't matter if this year's a lost year. And Pittsburgh doesn't think like that in a weird way. It's like if we go 8-8 eight and eight, from this point, we've done something, right? You can't, And that's always the question. If you don't win a Super Bowl, are you a failure? And if Pittsburgh finishes 8-8, eight and eight, wasn't that maybe a better year than last year, considering? Mm. So, And I know Steelers fans are more like that than most. If I think a team should win the Super Bowl and they get knocked out in the AFC Finals— I'm upset. If I think a team should win seven, they win nine, I'm happy. Right? And I think the Steelers fans do that better than most, I'd say. All right, last game. Lions at home, undefeated, but they're six and a half point underdogs. Maddie, your team. Well, I was a little bit early in the Lions last yeah, year. Yeah. Eventually, the, uh, it's going to come up heads twice. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, look, uh, uh, this is a tricky game for me because Kansas City is certainly not a team you want to step in front of right now with that vertical passing game, unlike what any Fez other team. bets against him every week. Every week. He does? Wow. I remember you were Oakland was your uh, no I was, every week no I was in on Baltimore I, with you on the super contest you, well you weren't in with me I forced you to play you liked Kansas City coming in oh I'm sorry you liked Bald or no I was oh. indifferent yeah 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 but what I'm saying is you tell you show let me, me ask you this how many times you bet Kansas City since Mah- under Mahomes <laughs> I don't recall not betting on them and how many t- you've bet against them at least six or seven times easy. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, I take the Detroit Lions every week on the Circa Million contest that I, entry that I'm in. Um, it doesn't always work out, as you can imagine. I lost with them week one. So the Circa Million, how much was it to enter? A grand. So it should have been like the Circa Thousand. Yeah, well, that's why I just throw the Lions out there every <laughs> week blindly. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to bet against them on the contests. I don't want to bet against them now either. I don't have a huge opinion on this game. I just like the Lions. Fez. 
I don't, I, I don't have a huge opinion. I lean to the Lions. I was because I like against to bet. Kansas I, I like to bet against Kansas City. But thank goodness the Lions' best cornerback Darius Slay is injured, and I don't know if he's going to play. And I know one thing: if I'm playing Patrick Mahomes, I need my best yeah. cornerback. So I'm passing. Well, listen. Here's what I know, and this to me is one of the stats of the year so far, which is if you look under Andy Reid, the first five games of the year. Last three seasons, so this was with Mahomes and with Alex Smith. They are undefeated straight up, and the record last against, five seasons. Yeah, say that stat again. So here's the number. I'll get the exact numbers for you. One second. Week one through five, last three seasons. So there's been 13 games played, two to go. 13 and 0 straight up. 11 one and one against the spread. The one loss last week, back door yeah. for the Ravens. So. To me, if you look at the offensive output, why Andy Reid schemes, he's a play, he's a play creator, and he has the whole offseason to concoct his new stuff. Less weather issues usually in Less September. weather issues. And it brings up another point. Lions, that fast track. Kansas City's as good as they are on that dirt. <laughs> I get, you think about them on turf. You don't hear that handicap much anymore. The whole turf handicap yeah. used to be big. It'd be interesting, Fez. Why don't you double through and look at uh, Kansas City on turf, how they've done uh, with Mahomes. Right? You That's- have that on your thing? Well, you know, we'll tease that to next week. Yeah. We, great show, guys. Matty Holt. You can follow him on Twitter. Matthew Holt VP. Yes, sir. He's now the CEO. Fez is Fez Exports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. And you, you know you're going to get brilliance and things worthy of... The banana song on Twitter, even. I'm RJ Bell at RJ in Vegas. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.